You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. Man, I am coming across loud on my end. Anyway, we are oh. back. <laughs> you're, you're loud on my end, too. I didn't know Ooh. if you were excited or if man. it was uh, an audio thing. I don't know, man. I seem to be coming across really loud. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm it's going to be the uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be the Bruno Mattei power hour, man. Yeah. Not to shout him. <laughs> you guys are coming across loud, too, in the recording, not in my speakers, in my headphones. It's very strange. Anyway, it's not distorting, so I'm going to roll with it. So if you guys need to turn down on your end, please do so. Um, episode 427, we are here. We are slowly getting to episode 500. Maybe slower than any podcast has ever gotten to 500. Yeah. <laughs> but we will get there one way or another. Uh, this week we are back. Our episode consists of a uh, straight-to-video release. Well, maybe straight-to-video. Back in 84... There was probably intentions to get this thing out in theaters. Who knows? But it was the glory days of getting stuff to VHS. The early days of we need content, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. Courier of Death, 1984, directed by Tom Shaw. Uh, we'll be talking about that. And we will also be discussing Jim Cotta. Now, just uh, you know, putting our hands on the table here. Cards on the table. Hands behind our back. Cards on the table. Cards behind our back. Hands under the table. You know, whatever. Um, we recorded that Jim Cotter review a long time ago, so it might sound, it might sound like, uh, you know, we went back in time. Maybe uh, we sound much younger. <laughs> yeah, we uh, hopefully we didn't. We 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 tend to do very good at not uh, bringing up current events when we record episodes we put in the can or we record reviews. But every now and then I've noticed we do. <laughs> so um, this review will be going first in front of that. But either way, we're finally gonna get our Jim Cotter review out. We've been trying to get that thing done for. Oh, I don't know. Going on 10 years. Uh, <laughs> we should have done uh, Steve McQueen and Jim Cotta in the same episode, man. The, the walk of shame on yes. that episode. Yeah, really. So that's what we're going to be doing. Let's get into what we've been watching. Uh, Totter, what you got? Oh, boy. Uh, um, well, 
Let's see. I just got to move this around. Hold on one second. I will oh, be with you. Oh. I will be with you in a minute. This is oh. how professional. It's unstuck currently. It's stuck to his thigh. He's got to move it around. Yeah, again. I do. Unstuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, not 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 really a terrible uh, terrible amount. Um, caught well, rewatched uh, Mike's The Happiness of the Katakuris. Uh I love that thing. I love it to death to uh, to little itsy bitsy pieces. Love it to cur- um, love it to courier to death. I love it to courier Jim Detha. <laughs> Jim Detha. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those movies that's just it's so many things uh, and it's so Mike. Uh, but you know, I think that it's one of the more interesting of his, uh, at least for me, because you know it's got a, a lot more heart than just kind of throwing the most insane shit at the screen that he can think of uh, like every two seconds uh, and I, I really like that um, and plus it's just I mean it looks great it's you know it's fantastically uh, shot edited uh, the the claymation stuff is fantastic it's just so much to love in it uh, speaking of love uh, the the uh, divine Gene Tierney in uh, Leave Her to Heaven, 1945, uh, yes. is just another fantastic movie. Another rewatch for me, um, and just one of those ones that yeah, the first time I saw it, I was blown away, and still am. Uh, it's so great from uh, beginning to end. Just phenomenal, creepy, uh, you know, but sexy, but you know. It, gorgeous looking uh, film Technicolor all that stuff um, Cornell Wilde in there uh, pre-Gargoyles so you gotta love that <laughs> nice for those of us who <laughs> first came upon Cornell Wilde and Scott Glenn and Jennifer Salt in Gargoyles nice um, so and Bertie Casey for that matter uh, yeah. yeah went from that uh, to uh, 2017's The Villainess and I was not really blown away by this thing um, I thought that it uh, it looks pretty bad uh, it uh, it's one of those things where it just heavily relies on super manipulated like first person shooter kind of gimmick uh, for most of the action scenes, uh, and the scenes that doesn't that don't do that uh, feel kind of like they were shot by um, oh Christ, what are their names? Uh, the uh, something and Taylor, the guys that did Crank, Neville Dean, um, Neville Dean, Neville Dean Taylor. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of that, uh, and that gets really overbearing. Uh, it's a it's a story that's taken from so many other sources it's just not even funny um you know la femme nikita and uh being the the predominant one that most people would point to uh and i I don't i don't i couldn't say whether it was meant as an adaptation of la femme nikita but uh it sure as hell uh wears it uh wears it all pretty hard on its sleeve uh so yeah i wasn't blown away by it it was okay uh but nothing nothing outstanding um Caught 1996's Eraser, uh, directed by one Chuck Russell. Oh, nice! Uh, and yeah, uh, this is uh, this is a pretty good Arnie. It, it doesn't really, it didn't knock my socks off, uh, but it was solid uh, throughout. Yeah, looks great. Uh, it uh, you know, like I've said about it before, it, it ticks all the boxes, uh, and that's pretty much about it. Yep. Was Zomfair agreed? Zamfir well, maybe he, maybe he doesn't. <laughs> 
Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, not so fast. Yeah, we yeah, pump the so brakes there. We we always uh, we always assume that little that little jingle there means uh you know affirmation, but it could mean it could mean whoa stop. Kind like an, it could be like an R two D two kind of bleep bloop that's like <laughs> hang on a second motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, it could be one of those. I don't know. I've never seen a racer though, man. I saw you watch this. It's not this, that. This was actually the Arnie film that was. The first one that I didn't see, like up until that point, I'd seen pretty much every one, like Clockwork, as most of us had. And then this one was the one for some reason, not because of the film, but just, I guess, teenage years and, you know, looking for the shaky pudding and, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, uh, I, I would go out, I would go so far as to say that this is kind of like the his last, his last uh, gasp before he kind of just went downhill. Uh, not to say that he really crashed out or anything like that, but certainly the films that he made kind of uh, didn't really come back uh, after this. This was kind of like the the high point right before the the slide. Um, and and like I said, I mean, not like it was a humongous slide, but uh, but it was good. It was good. I liked it. Uh, worth seeing, definitely. Um, I'm still one of the few. Finally, pe- I'm still one of the few people that'll stand up for the last stand. Uh, I like the last stand. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a nice little comeback for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Arnie cries on that one, doesn't he? No, I no, no, no. That's no, the, that's the that's zombie Maggie, one. Or, yeah, that, or, yeah, that's the zombie one. I don't remember what the name of that is. Or maybe it's the other one, the one about the plane crash. I haven't seen that one yet. That's more of a drama. The plane crash? Coll- um, no, yeah. I was thinking of collateral damage. No, collateral damage is the. It's kind of a standard Arnie comeback film, right? Or is this, was that right before he became governor? I can't remember anymore. That was before he became governor. That yeah. was the one where he was like a fireman, and he yeah. goes after the yeah. terrorists that killed yeah. his family, I yeah. think. He goes down to Columbia or, was or that, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, Kim Ji so, Kim Ji Woon last stand that's that one. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and yeah. Even though it has Johnny Knoxville, <laughs> that's right. Um, so then I caught finally uh, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. Oh yeah, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mm-hmm. love the production design. Um, I mean, this movie feels a lot more like it's uh, Pacino's movie than it is Beatty's, uh, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of his tryout for uh, for Heat. Yes. Uh, his pre-Heat Heat performance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But he's great in it. Um, it's fun. Henry, I realized how... Henry Silva in there, too, yeah? Yeah, Henry yeah. Silva. Uh, I think... Uh, Oh, R.G. Armstrong. Yeah, William. There's lots of faces. William Forsythe. Oh yeah, William Forsythe's in there. Flat. Top. Yeah, Forsythe. Uh, Ed O'Ross. Uh, yeah, yeah a, bu- a bunch of guys. Um, you know what I? You know what I love? Headley. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You know I'm what sorry. I love about that uh, film, and we've talked about this before. It's really a shame that comic book films have the ability to be the most stylistic in some ways, and it's interesting that. They've gotten away from that so much that there's so much more standard. You know, they, they don't really go for the visuals anymore. I mean, I guess the closest you can argue was... Um, Sin City? Sin City, maybe, yeah, or The Spirit, which are the same yeah. same vibe, right? Yeah. I really, wish, well, that's, that's... I really wish film... I wish comic book films, especially the B comic book films, the, the lesser tier characters, I really wish they'd go for that style thing again because I think there's a lot of opportunity they're missing there right sure absolutely and i i actually when i was watching this i was like this is kind of like a proto sin city uh it is but with color yeah um so yeah no i i dug this and you know it also made me realize how little magnetism i think madonna had oh yeah uh, oh yeah screen 
Yeah. I mean, like, none. She does, she's um, just, she does wear a great top in that, though, I got to say. She does. And, uh, you know, I was kind of a little bit surprised by that one. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, so, yeah, I caught that, and it was really good. And then, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give that one a recommend. It's uh, along the lines of the Phantom as far as uh, level for me. Maybe a little bit lower, but not much. The 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 uh, makeup effects are fantastic in it, obviously. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I don't remember if Rick Baker worked on that or not. But I might be wrong. I don't know who worked on that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, and uh, that's all I got, guys. Did his Torero shoot that film? Uh, I, I believe imagine. he did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a very good looking film. Very ambitious for the time, pre CGI, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, there's a little bit. Of, it feels like there's a little bit of CGI in there, but it, it's minimal. Really, really, yeah. And it's really, it really works well because it does what CGI does really well. It doesn't try to um, replicate living things. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it works best on, in my opinion, flat surfaces. And uh, you know, that that's what it, if it's used in here at all. And it I, it wasn't just my eye. Um, you know, it's it. Uh, uh, shit, I lost my train of thought. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Will. That's got? how fast I derail. Do you, did you get anything in this week? I mean, I only got one thing in, so I had a busy week. But uh, I got a couple things in. Nice. Um, maybe more than a couple. But uh, I will be brief, nonetheless. Um, I'm trying to think of the last thing I talked about was I think the last thing I talked about was critters, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You did talk about okay. critters last week, yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, cool. So, um, I, I don't know what inspired this. I think maybe the kids wanted to watch this, and I hadn't seen it in probably twenty-five years. It seems weird to say that, but Scream. Um, uh, wow. You know, the kids have been yeah. kind of working through some of the classics. Like they're up to, I think they've seen the first four or five Friday Thirteenths. They've seen the, seen the first three Halloweens. We're we're holding off for a long time on Hellraiser and even Nightmare on Elm Street. I think part one might spook them so we don't want to do that um done a lot of stuff has been documented on the show but i just said you know what let's do scream um because they'd been asking so i thought why not i I didn't remember it being all that bad um or really any nudity the 90s has have been well documented weren't really the golden age of horror but uh i gotta say man the opening and it's an obvious statement but the opening really holds up well and commands your attention and they both came out of this film absolutely loving it, like among their favorite horror films. Yeah. Um, you know, just I don't think they'd experienced sort of the the twists and turns of kind of a a whodunit. Um, so you know, they're thinking it's Winkler, they're thinking it's uh, Arquette. You know, so it was it was cool. They they enjoyed it. So and it was nice to rewatch. So uh, we did that. We did The Princess Bride, another rewatch. Seems like most of my stuff these days is rewatches with my kids. Uh, we did this in preparation for the Fan Expo this weekend um, because the cast was going to be there. So uh, kids had never seen it. And we always try to toggle between if we're going to do a horror film, we to do something more family-oriented. So throw The Princess Bride. And this is also an obvious statement, but I hadn't seen this one in about 25 years, maybe more. And... I forgot how well written it was yep. and how quotable it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I, I mean, I just laughed out loud at a lot of the exchanges. I mean, really, really fun stuff. Um, went to see the Black Klansman with my mom. Nice. I'm dying to see this one. So this was about what I expected. Um, I didn't think this was going to be like the film of the year or anything. I was expecting about a seven. And it, it falls, you know, seven, seven point two five. I still think that 
you know, I love Spike Lee. Um, I think that some of his characters are kind of cringeworthy. Like there's a few kind of broad stroke characters. And there's a kind of a big fat kind of goober in the clan. It's, 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 it's just very one note. Um, and not that the guy needed to be overly fleshed out, but it's kind of cringeworthy, bad for laughs. Um, on the whole, it's a fun film with, you know, like I said, seven, maybe seven and a half. John David Washington sounds so much like his dad. I mean, you could close your eyes and think it's Denzel. <laughs> um, it's unreal. Um, I got to say, though, too, Laura Harrier, I think her name is. I don't think it's, I don't think she pronounces it Harrier. Laura Harrier, the love interest in this. Man, is she my new crush. <laughs> Good Lord. She's beautiful. Uh, and then Ryan Eggleton, Jasper, or Jasper, uh, Pacone and the Finnish actor were really great in it, too. Uh my wife wanted to watch Summer of 84. This one's kind of making the rounds in our circles. Yep. And she thought this one would be good. I thought, okay, well, you know, let's let's, let's do it. Um, I really didn't like it. Uh, I think it, it kind of falls into that over the precipice with sort of the nostalgia and the synth wave and uh, didn't really work for me. Um, I know some friends. And the ending, I think, is needlessly kind of grim. Um, like you can't have your, you can't bask in the glow of nostalgia and then just kind of turn on a dime. It, it, to me, it just kind of rings hollow, but you know, whatever, what do you do? Uh, then we did John Wick two. Um, this one was a lot of fun. My kids, this is kind of like their, I don't know. What's, what's, what was the big action franchise from when we were younger? Mm. Was there an actual franchise? A lot of standalone stuff really, right? Yeah. A lot of standalone. I mean, Rambo, obviously, uh, maybe Rambo. Yeah. I don't know. Different, different time, yeah. different political time. <laughs> the Rambo series and the John Wick series are very different, but Certainly. my kids have come to love uh, John Wick. Yeah. I'll tell you this: I don't want to spoil it, uh, but there is a. It takes place in Italy. Okay, I won't spoil it, uh, but I really geeked out at a camp. I, I guess sort of a supporting turn when this actor popped up in John Wick too. Um, so I don't want to spoil it for those that haven't seen it. But yeah, it's a good-looking film. It's more hollow than the first, and the first wasn't exactly, you know, uh, fleshed out. But it, this one just kind of turns up the colors and and the action and goes for it, right? Which I guess most sequels do. So uh, that was the last thing we watched. We're in the midst of the Fan Expo right now, which is a lot of fun. The boys got to meet Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, which was, uh, you know, like a dream for them. Certainly, um, certainly, certainly, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like William's favorite movie is like he thinks Marty, as I've said before, is the coolest person on earth. <laughs> so that was kind of an emotional thing, man, to, to see, you know, my sons meet a hero for them. Right. Yeah. Um, it was a very surreal moment. Um, got to meet Chris Sarandon as well. And this was neat for my kids. And then I'll, I'll be done um, because of the sort of diversity of stuff. I wanted to ask him about lipstick, but I didn't want to ask in front of my kids. Um, but to think this is the voice of Jack Skellington, this is the detective from Child's Play, um, this is Prince Humperdinck, and what's the one I'm forgetting? There's another big one I'm forgetting. Jerry, oh, Fright Night. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Dandridge, Dandridge, man. <laughs> yeah, which they haven't seen, but that's one I've been circling around for a while with them. But yeah, uh, yeah. what a fun career. He was cool with the kids, you know, fist bumps and, and whatnot. So, no, it's, it's fun. We hadn't been to the expo in 10 years since Argento was here. So it's been fun to take the kids and... Watch them spend their money very quickly on Funko Pop figures. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. That shit will fly off, fly the hands like uh, butter on a hot potato, man. That's, uh... I'll tell you, man. <laughs> it goes. Fa- I mean, I'm surprised it lasts as long as it did. Like we we barely made one lap around the the gauntlet. Yeah. And it was like, here we go. Let just take my money. Yeah. Anywhere we go now with my my two kids and stuff, it's like you know, first time around wherever we go, man, we're fucking it. We're wiped. It's like, yeah, let's not oh, make a second God. trip. <laughs> And they try to grind you just five more bucks. Like they're yeah. just, you know, looking yeah. for another fix. I'm like, man, you guys spent your money. We told you when we came here. Here's your money. <laughs> you better make it stretch, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kids aren't but, known. Uh, kids aren't known for stretching a buck. That's for sure. They're not known for frugality, my friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh. We we were all young once, right? Oh man, those GI Joe figures flew off the shelves and into yeah. my grubby paws. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything I could spend my cash on. My grandpa used to always say, "Is it burning a hole in your pocket that money?" Because uh, you can hang on to it for a little while. I know, dude. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But they came up with some good ones. William got, I think, Marty, Doc, and Georgie from it. Braden oh, nice. got. Braden's starting to lean more my way. He's a real horror. I mean, he's really into the horror. Like he got Michael Myers, Freddy, and Jason. Oh, sweet. So. Oh. Braden, Braden, and I, we have a lot in common then. That's what he I was, likes, I was always attracted yeah, to that stuff. Yeah. Boogeyman. He's, 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 yeah, he's more of the horror kid, it seems like, but William loves it too. But, you know, he's kind of more action. He's all over the map, whereas Braden's like more horror, more horror. Nice, nice. You know, he got a Halloween poster and a thing poster for their room too, which I can't wait to hang out for them. So sweet, sweet. <laughs> good times indeed. All right. So I only watched one thing, but it was a big one because it's a, a buzzworthy film right uh i watched hereditary finally Ooh. yeah so i checked that out and uh i liked it i did i, I quite liked it it's really good but of course until, <laughs> up to a certain point i loved it uh i really did because i was like wow this is really dealing with you know not just horror but real life horror and that's you know kind of what i like to deal with and and uh i got i even got emotional at one point i was like whoa man this is fucking me up yeah um but then it, it goes, it, it takes that turn, and uh, as you guys have known through the history of the show, uh, <laughs> when, when things start to get a little too supernatural, I get a little uh, tuned out. So I won't say where and when, I'll just say, you know, maybe the last third or whatever, I was not as impressed as I was with the first half or first two thirds. But I did like the film a lot. I feel like it's over long and stuff, but I think the acting's good across the board. Yes. Um, I think it's very well shot. It's slow paced the way I like my films. Uh, again, I would not, I mean, this would make a top 30 list for me. If we, yeah, exactly. That's not Zamfir, but that's. Uh, <laughs> it's Lionel Hampton. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Joey Johnson uh, doing a little. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit there. But look here, motherfucker. Uh, anyway. <laughs> now the. Uh, well, uh, the I mean I I really did enjoy it quite a bit. I mean it it's really good. I think I'm more interested in what Arius Aster does after this because it's it, it's quite a debut. It's quite uh, assured and confident uh, to the point to where I think there's some things that maybe you know I wouldn't have put in there, but uh, I think he kind of I think he kind of shows his tricks a little bit. But at the same time, there's a lot of lot to talk about that's really good. Of course, I can't talk about everything because I'd be giving it away and. I know a lot of people have seen it at this point, and you could argue, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about it at this point. But no, I'm, there's a lot of people that don't see movies right away, including me. Uh, and, oh, well, all three of us, let's put it that way. Yeah, at this point, man, even my years are definitely far <laughs> from the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I just knew about it because of the, the buzz and everything. And 
people calling it the scariest movie in years. I don't agree with that, but I do think it's a very solid film. I, I, I should say it didn't scare me at all. Nothing, nothing about it scared me, but fear is very subjective, and uh, I understand if it did fear, freak some people out. Um, I can see where and what would freak people out. To me, it, it kind of came down to, at some point, it kind of turns it almost into witchboard. And at, yes. uh, <laughs> at that point, I'm like, okay. It, at that point, you know, it, you might as well go full tilt cheese and I'd be more interested. But uh, I will say, I mean, Tony Collette, she really goes all out, man. And uh, She's amazing. Yeah, bravo to her because she, you know, she leaves herself exposed, I think, in some moments. I mean, she makes some some gif-worthy faces that I'm sure she's going to live with the rest of her career. Oh yeah! Uh, in this modern age, I mean, man, she leaves. Uh, she just leaves it all on the table. And I've always had a thing for Tony Collette. She's always, she's Same. always, yeah, she's a great actress, and um, I think she's very beautiful as well uh, in a in a very interesting way. And I think she really gives yes. it. And Gabriel Byrne, you know, who's somebody we, you know, that's an actor that you know has had a long career, and he he's known for playing these kind of stoic, kind of still characters and stuff. But I think he was really good as a dad in this. As a dad who's struggling with uh, what he has to go through and trying to help his wife through some things. I mean, he, he has a lot of fucking patience. Um, and I think it was kind of realistic, up to a point, obviously. But, yes, I mean, I, I think there was a really good scene between him and her and the son uh, where he stands up like a dad would. And, and uh, I thought that was interesting. And, and like I said, the boys, he, he's really good. And the, the young girl, she's very good as well. The... Uh, I guess she's in her young twenties. I guess I don't. I don't know how old she is, but is she that old? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think so. I, I can't remember. I was doing a little research wow. as I was watching it and stuff, but it was really good. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo it or anything and say, "Oh, it's not the scariest movie ever made." I, I've seen scarier. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that, but I will say it's a solid horror film, solid debut. I look forward to what he's going to do next, and uh, you know, bravo to him, bravo. Um. Yeah, that's it. That's all I watch, man. I didn't watch anything else. It's a busy time in my life, uh, personally. So, <laughs> what's new? So, no, exactly. Um, let's let's just uh, make that hard cut, that uh, that hard slice right here, and jump into Courier of Death, if you guys don't mind. Yeah. So, Courier of Death, our first review of the day. Again, like I said, you'll be hearing Jim Cotta after this. But Courier of Death, man, this one's uh, from 1984. Directed by Tom Shaw, uh, Courier J.D. Blackman, his partner, actually, and wife are murdered. His partner and his wife, we should say, are murdered by thugs who steal a briefcase with $76 million. I don't remember him saying that. I remember him saying I remember him saying $7 million in the movie. I don't remember him saying 76. Oh, they say 76. Do they say well, infl- inflation. Well, my yeah. God. How, how, what, I mean, what denomination is in that fucking suitcase, dude? $76 million in a briefcase. That's a lot of money. Well, it's, it's, uh, in, bond, it's in bonds. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember him talking about the bonds. <laughs> fucking bonds. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you where the bonds are, man. I'm going to yeah. do a lot of Joey Johnson impersonations here. Oh, God, yes. Who on the cover, who on the cover looks like a mix of uh, Dirty Harry and Joe Piscopo. Exactly. Uh, Which is right up our alley, right? Yes, right, up my, right up my Joe Piscopo hole. Um, yeah, straight to the heart. <laughs> with the help of an army friend, two women, and a pilot, JD searches for the murderous thieves. Especially this, a pilot. <laughs> yes, he uses the pilot often in this action filled drama. Yeah, uh, JD is like, uh, he's like Bruce Wayne with his own personal uh, pilot there. Tom, I don't know if that's the actual Tom Shaw or not. Uh, I think I read. 
some behind the scenes stuff that uh, Tom Shaw on that plane. So, and Tom Shaw's interesting. He's a uh, he's a guy who uh, didn't direct much, but did work quite a bit behind the scenes on some pretty big movies. Uh, and then ended oh, up yeah. evidently ended up owning some porn shops or something in in Oregon or somewhere Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'm again. I'm I'm just trying. To, I'm saying what IMDb is saying. I think he only directed two films, and they were both action films: Operation Take No Prisoners, and which you got to see. Yeah, which I got to see, and uh, that's it. But he was, uh, yeah, man. He he worked on all kinds of shit. If, if IMDb is, is Night of the Iguana, yeah, Night of Configuration, yeah, Painter Wagon. Uh, well, and okay, he did some stuff that are like legit classics. Okay, so Night of Configuration, he worked on Convoy. Not a classic, but fun. Electric Glide and Blue, yeah. Scarecrow, yeah. Paint Your Wagon, McKenna's Gold, The Professionals, Night of the Iguana. Like, he was involved with some Elmer Gantry, The Unforgiven. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he was, uh, he's yeah, done he, some stuff, man. He was definitely involved, and uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, the career he had. And evidently, he was a raging alcoholic and some other things. Ooh. Um and uh, there's a lot of stories about the behind the scenes. Evidently, somebody on IMDb has done a review on here that worked on the movie and said that he was asleep half the time he made this movie. So either way, <laughs> you know, for a raging alcoholic and somebody that ate bad and everything else, they said he lived to be 87 years old. So, again, it's all in the genetics, kids. It's not <laughs> – you can uh, – sometimes you can get away with whatever. Sometimes it's just the genetics. But, um, yeah, he uh, – interesting career there. So evidently, yeah, like I said, he owned porn shops or something, so – Hey, you got to do what you got to do toward the end of your career, right? You never know where. You got to pay for that plane somehow. You got to play for that Cessna somehow. Yeah, that's right, man. So this stars Joey Johnson, who uh, this is his only acting role, but did have a theme, did have a song in The Wrestler. He did, man. He had, And that song was also used in Monsoon Wedding. Yes. Nice guy's finished wow. first. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess he ended up having some type of music career. It looks like he's, he was in the Patsy with the... the uh, he was a barbershop porter with uh, Jerry Lewis, I guess, in the Jerry Lewis film. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Those are that's a very across the spectrum, yeah. two film filmography, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, he carries he carries a forty four Magnum, and uh, boy, does he shoot! Yeah, that. he does. He shoots that it thing. It is bigger than him. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. What I guess my my plot synopsis for this film is: we got a very angry little man who kicks a lot yep. of ass in a very in very small bars. Yes. Yes. In basement bars. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of small bars in this movie. <laughs> there are a lot of yeah basement bars for real, man. Yeah, I think one bar just has a pool table and a bar and uh, like yeah. three or four tables around, which is my but favorite. Didn't have thing. didn't have the wallpaper. And it's like the woods. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like the full wall is just yeah. like you know the, the picture of the woods. Yeah, and there's wood paneling everywhere in this movie. Uh, oh yeah. Everywhere. Everybody's basement's covered in wood paneling. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, who wants to take the lead in this thing here? We should be forthright. Say our friends over at Cult of Muscle covered this a long time ago. Yes, they did. And I wasn't aware of that fact when yeah. uh, we talked about covering this one. You know, I think full disclosure, we were trying to look to get back to some of the stuff that we uh, we really, really love. And yeah. I say we don't love serious film, but just some rompy, fun stuff. We wanted to have some fun, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. great minds think alike. Um, we'd seen our friends, our dear friends, uh, over at the club to cover this, and yeah, now here we are. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. just the way it's going to go. They're going to cover yeah, yeah. some stuff. Some sure, stuff. sure, sure, sure. They kind of they kind of stick into a certain genre, and it's a genre we love. We just we've gotten away from it quite a bit over the years, and 
Uh, now we're back, and and I would say this is a—it's not a vanity project, right? I mean, it's not. No, I thought it. You know what? There's a Greek, uh, an, um, an American action film that I had wanted to cover. A mix. I was mixing this up with at first. It was directed by a Greek dude, uh, or starring a Greek guy, and I thought that was like a van, like a fun self-funded vanity project. But this is very much—it's a proper, you know, production. Yep. Yep. All right. So, anybody want to talk about it? Do they want me to talk uh, about it? Or what? I'll. Okay, well, we'll select it. If Will wants to go with it, we'll let him go with it. All right, all right. Um, so, Lightning Video <laughs> put this out, which is great, right? Nice, Market yeah. quality right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great, man. We should say it's uh, available on YouTube for anybody that wants to watch it. I mean, it's up there. Mm hmm. That's how I watched it. Very, yeah, that's how I watched it as well. Very murky, very muddy, <clears throat> but. Uh, which is kind of a shame because I think if it was if it was just cleaned up a little bit, it'd probably look pretty good because it's shot in uh, I guess the Pacific Northwest, so Portland, nice Oregon, scenery. man, yeah, a lot of nice scenery. Yeah, there is a lot, and there's it, which makes for some interesting kind of backdrop for an action film. You don't see a lot of shootouts in forests in an action movie, no. so we do get one of those in this. Um, it was clear that they, <laughs> they had an access to a, a small airport and a, a, you know, a few planes. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of times, low budget films, you know, you, you, you kind of get a win by having access to something. They really take advantage of it and, and try to obviously uh, pump up the production value and the just the how rich the film looks, which, uh, no, otherwise it gets really kitchen sinky. And for <clears throat> an action hero, kitchen sink works better with drama than it does with action. Yeah. Yep. You know, you don't need to travel the globe, but, you know, you need to be able to get around a few cities in. Uh, in the Pacific, um, I guess you know some countries. The henchmen wear certain things, but in Portland, Oregon, uh, the regional outfit of choice is Nike tracksuits. <laughs> I just said sweats. I didn't even. <laughs> they, yeah, these guys are like these guys are like every character who's not my, Michael Sopkeev in uh, 2019 after the fall of New York. They just. Because everybody in that movie wears sweatpants too. So they, oh, yeah, well, yeah. So they they got the same deal, right? They all go into the same outlet mall and they get the same deal. <laughs> they all go to the same Marshalls. <laughs> they do. They absolutely do. But I guess it makes sense because Oregon's where Nike is from, right? So yeah, I think so. Yeah, I find it interesting too. You call it Nike, like we call it Nike down here. So yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, you call it Nike, yeah, yeah, yeah. We call it huh. Nike down here. Always, like I call it Nike sometimes, but I tend to say Nike. Oh, yeah, is, no. is Nike like yeah? We call a it proper Nike. pronunciation Nike. I don't know what the proper pronunciation is. I never really thought about that, but I, I know all growing up, that's all I've ever heard is Nike. I yeah, toggle between both. I toggle between both. But Nike, wow. As long as we're not calling, I mean, long as we're not calling him Nick, and then we're always as long as we're not calling him Nick. <laughs> Nick at night. Um, the score is like very much a low rent sort of tangerine dreamy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of works. Um, I would have liked some. If this was a good vanity project, you would have got some kind of Wings Housery doing song. Like if Joey Johnson had done a few of the songs on the like a kind of bluesy, overproduced kind of songs on the soundtrack, that would have been cool. But it makes for an interesting listen, you know, the kind of synthy stuff we get. And I guess that was to keep the uh, the cost down, right? So yeah. Joey Johnson's fun in the movie. We should say that. I mean, he's he is fun. He really goes all out. Um, he's not a great actor. There's no doubt about that. We we got to say that, but. He gives it all his emotion. I mean, there's a scene where he's very thankless. He's running through his backyard in a towel. I love that scene. I wish I had have gone. I wish I had gone full Monty though, man. Like yeah. Eastern Promises. Yeah. I really wish it had him, man. So he, he, yeah, but he's he's the kind of guy he could never be 
a lead in a film except you know something like this or maybe like some kind of art house thing well, no he could be lead goblin in a middle earth film maybe <laughs> well, that's or, or in a uh, um uh fragasso movie yeah. Well, he could be in a philosophy. To me, he looks like the love child of Mickey Rooney and Roland from Tears for Fears. Nice. Well played. <laughs> he reminds me of a guy I work with, actually. Oh, that's amazing. Amazingly enough. <laughs> he might be him. You should just I guess. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to fucking find out now. That might be. I'm gonna have a few, you may have to get him on the show, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure he, I'm sure he'd have some great stories about the... Because the, evidently, there's a lot of great stories behind the scenes of this film and stuff. But yeah, he... Oh. He gives it his all, man. I find it interesting that they would cast him. I mean, he's, he's, and again, I'm not making fun of anybody of diminutive stature, okay? But he's a, he's probably roughly, maybe, you know, he's probably, five. yeah, maybe, maybe five foot six, five foot eight, maybe, uh, maybe. That's actually, what I was thinking, like five seven. Oh, eight, yeah. five, eight. Maybe no. Stallone's actual height, right? But I mean, they don't do him any favors because they don't stand him on boxes and they don't do anything yeah. like that. So he he comes across as small. And the problem is, if there is a problem. Is that the gun is so fucking big? Oh man, it's like it's like his whole trunk of his body big. I know it's like, ridiculous. <laughs> man, they go to, they go to show some scenes where he's like stashing it in his jacket. I'm like, there's no way that thing would be down to his ankle. Yeah, it goes from, <laughs> like it goes from his waist all the way almost up to the top of his shoulder. You would hear like metal dragging on the concrete, like it's dragging on the ground. Yeah, he can never hide, <laughs> and he 44 magnums in a shoulder holster are tricky enough. But yeah. he, you can see clearly when he gets dressed up. At one point, he does the Rambo prep scene, which is oh, always yeah. a very famous, you know, in his uh, basement bar, no less. Yes, basement bar, <laughs> which he we revisit often enough, usually with a wife beater on, because when he relaxes, yeah. he likes to sit around with a wife beater tucked tucked yeah. into jeans. By the way, which is just not relaxing. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you don't tuck in your shirt at home, man. No, no, that's that's the that's opposite of being tip. home. Yeah, pro tip: leave it, let it fly at home. You know. Yeah. You got nothing. You got I nothing gotta, to lose. No, I got to say, Sammy, I've been thinking about you lately because, you know, you're a few years ahead of me. And a, a wise, a wise, slightly older friend, you know, you've said a few things that have come to pass in my life. <laughs> I've started having, I know Todd's in this realm too, coffee with some of my meals. Yes. <laughs> I was like, man, fuck this. And this is something, I, I'm such a vain motherfucker, but I love it so much now. I wear basketball shorts around the house, and it's incredible. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my god, they're so comfortable, man! It, it, it is. It's ridiculous, and it will it will change your life. And for those of you oh. who are who are scoffing behind the scenes right now, you, the, you wait and see. You wait and see. <laughs> oh, it's it's amazing. It's heaven, man. It's it just is like, yeah, it's like uh, like the dad version of like the '90s teen wearing silk boxer shorts or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife teases me all the time. I'm like, hey, these, these things are fucking universal. I can walk outside and get the mail. Yeah, I can walk down the street. I can go exercise. I can do anything I want. I can cut. Now they'll be a little stinky, but I could ch- change them into my fresh pair of basketball shorts. Yeah, man. I can go sans boxers. I can wear boxers. I can do whatever I want. I can do whenever you I can want. wear them to bed if you wanted. They're comfortable, yeah. right? Yeah. I've worn mine to bed. I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's I pass out mine all the time, man. That's that's the so whole point. basketball shorts are the new black. Yes, they, they are. are. Yes, they are. They're, they're a game changer, man. I mean, I keep like the like the Larry Bird '80s ones. Like mine are like mid thigh, but, yeah. but man, are they comfortable? And the the uh, the the fabric they make uh, basketball shorts out of nowadays and stuff. The type of the kind of like dry fit stuff and all dry that. Dry fit, yeah. Man, I mean, this is it's almost like silk, right? So they feel great. Oh, they feel they do feel incredible. What else feels great? Maybe not feels great, but looks great is the fact that. Uh, J.D. Blackman, <laughs> his, his uh, outfit of choice for probably two-thirds of the film was a Canadian tuxedo. Yes. Oh, my. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Right. So he comes correct. I mean, he let's let's. You know, we talk about wrestling sometimes in comparison. You know, he would never be a heavyweight champion in our world, but he could gun for, like, that intercontinental title or, like, he the would, TV title. He would be, like, the quick-draw Rick McGraw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, yeah. yeah. Of Absolutely. Um, he has this weird exchange with his daughter, I think, where, I guess, I don't know, Zoomer, Zoomer. He keeps saying Zoomer, Zoomer to her. I don't know. I don't know. I thought so, too. Uh, as he's smoking and blowing smoke in her face, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a different time. That's right, right. It's a little more innocent time, you know. Eighty-four was a different time. Uh, Hangs out with Tom's his daughter in the basement bar with his wife beater on. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> How about this? Tom's wife has an incredible mom mullet. Oh yeah, she it's, does. It's oh, too bad. My. It's too bad we don't get to see it more. But you know. Yeah, it's got a, it her 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 face and her mullet are the unfortunate freeze frame of the YouTube video. Yeah. So, so when you look it yeah. up on YouTube to watch it, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see what looks like uh, Wallace Shawn with a mullet. Uh, <laughs> to go back to the Princess Bride a little bit. Well, he's. I'll tell you, I did a Q and A with him yesterday. He's. It was really engaging. He talked about Louis Mal and stuff. It was really cool. But oh yeah, no, he's yeah, he's a great. He's a very he, interesting guy. He doesn't own a TV, so I don't think he's ever watched Courier of Death. Sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and interesting so, to me, the Wallace Shawn. Has he kind of? Does he work anymore? Or is he retired? Yeah, he, he does. A lot of, he does TV and theater stuff, and he's on like I think he's got a recurring role, and I don't watch it. But he happened to mention it yesterday on that that spinoff of Big Bang Theory, Little Sheldon, or oh, okay, that would uh, make sense. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a very unique voice, right? I mean, no, nobody sounds uh, like Wallace Shawn, right? So no, no, it's true, man. It's true. Um, the one time we break from the synth is when we get a tragic moment where we get sort of a weird harp flute combo. <laughs> when that mullet exit stage left. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, my, know, my favorite scene with the mullet, uh, and we should go. Uh, <laughs> the, the, scene, the scene where, and, and, you know, I'm not giving anything away. It was given away in the plot synopsis and stuff. But where he's running toward her and she's running toward him and we get the slow motion no. That yeah. <laughs> that is both cringeworthy and amazing at the same yeah, time. You know, there was some uh, some hardcore emoting yeah. going on there. <laughs> and like you said, it's thankless. But I love that Joey Johnson goes all in, and that's you know that's what we admire on this show. Is right. when that's you, the when key. Like you know, forget it, man. I'm going to go all in. Yeah, because if you if you're not interested. Then that that carries, I think, the whole emotion of the film, right? So it makes it lazy. You lose yeah. interest, energy. At first, the first shootout, I was thinking, okay, this this could be fun, but mm-hmm. you know, and then he got to the scene where he kind of emotes about his buddy that got shot, and oh, yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I see what. Now, if he maintains that kind of energy, we we should we should be good to go. Now, I'd never seen this, so yeah, I'm watching as it goes along, and I'm th- you know, we get to the the home scene, which is totally ridiculous. This guy has a home <laughs> life. And, you know, he's pushing push it under swing, and they're like, you know, hey, call it's a, it's a priority one. It's a priority one package. Yeah. You know, I'm like, this guy's a FedEx. He's the FedEx of death. That you know? courier, man. <laughs> and anyway. Is that the one where the, he's got the beer and a button? He's pushing the kid on a swing? Yeah, yeah. he's going zoomer, zoomer. Yeah. Zoomer. <laughs> yeah, that's the scene. Yeah, the zoomer, zoomer scene. So I'm thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. But, and then oh. it just kind of picks, after his wife gets shot in the back. And that, that bad guy, we should say, he's not great, but he is fun. The bad guy, he the, is fun. He's man. snotty and kind of shitty. I like. I like. Certainly beat his dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of fun. And there's a twist. We won't give it away. There's a twist with some of the heavies in the film. Um, oh yeah. But once I realized that Joey Johnson was going to just go all in, 
I was like, oh, yeah, now this is in my ballpark. Because <laughs> if your lead is disinterested, and then you have no reason to watch. I mean, this is a very run-of-the-mill action movie. There's nothing unique here. But the fact that Joey Johnson is so, he is so fucking short-fused, man. He is oh, so yeah. tightly coiled, man. Yeah. Every <laughs> time he talks to somebody, he's like, look, motherfucker. Yeah, you better fucking talk. Everything's gritted teeth. Yeah, every well, that's the gun and that's the whole Clint thing. But I wonder if it was a frustration because Joey Johnson is good at finding his man. Mm -hmm. Joey or JD Blackman, I should say, is good at extracting information. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, he finds the right dude, but he just can never get the information out of these people. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting too that he that he uh, you know well, it's probably his approach. Let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> his approach is one of yeah. what a what a little shit this guy is. You know, it's bad cop worse cop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It totally is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it absolutely is. But I'll say this: I think that there are some interesting flourishes, um, as much as sort of maybe the framework is um, very uh, run of the mill. The setting, right, Portland, Oregon, uh -huh. uh, is different. Um, the the his job as a quote unquote courier is a little different. He's not, yeah. even though he's ex-military, it's not like he's a cop, yeah. ex-special forces. Like so, there's a few little flourishes that are a little bit different, yeah. right? Oh, his Batmobile's so, a piece. His, bat, his Batmobile's <clears throat> a piece of shit too. Like that that oh, hollowed out man. It is a piece of shit. He's got a beanbag in there. He takes naps on. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's bad for your pot. That's bad for your back, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, beanbag, uh, lay on the beanbag with a shotgun. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's a new one. I don't think I've ever seen that in the film. <laughs> that's a bad move waiting <laughs> yeah. to happen. That is, man. We, oh, we, we're just This just in. Actor Joey Johnson has passed away. Inadvertently, yeah. a shotgun he was sleeping with. Passed, he blew a bone break. a beanbag. <laughs> yeah, on a beanbag. <laughs> what a um, way to go. <laughs> Once had sex this? on a beanbag, by the way. Not advised. No, no. Ooh, no, I don't think... I know inflatable mattress, but not a beanbag. Yes, and those things sink. They don't hold their their. They're like no man. They they conform to your body, and then you're stuck there. You're just like that. That's like, <laughs> this is it. You're not moving. You know. Yeah, no, you're you're screwed. Um, speaking of moving, we get some great long butt on display at the local strip club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene's fun. I mean, that scene's fun. Like he goes in, dick swinging, just pulling out the photo. You know this guy. You know this guy. And, you know, I got to think, and I never thought this before because we're in an age of technology, right? Where everything's digital, but I lose stuff. Um, I lose my keys, my wallet, my phone. That's like the Trinity, right? And I got this Bluetooth thing called Tile where it puts a Bluetooth, like a little credit card size thing in my wallet and one of my keys and my keychain. So if I ever lose them, I can find them. Yep. But I would lose the photo. I know I have all these pockets. <laughs> I would go to pull something out of a pack of gum, and the photo would fall out onto the ground. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would happen if you lose the photo of the person you're looking for, man? Like, yeah, if you don't have a good you're, memory, you're, you're fucked. You're fucked. Um, I love. Uh, someone calls him. Someone calls JD a miserable little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is great. And he uh, he's interrogating someone, and then he shoots them. And I love. He says. Wrong answer, dude. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> He's got a lot of great lines like that. He does. He does. I was hoping um, they'd have some of them on IMDb because I didn't write them down. But uh, he has a lot of really good uh, moments. And he's he's pretty quick to employ the services of the like the neighborhood women um, to be like getaway drivers, sidekicks. 
he's yeah let let no one say joey johnson or jd blackman i should say is a is a chauvinist yeah yeah, yeah. I wish I wish there would have been more. I mean, at least like two more JD Blackman films. Yeah. I wish there had been a, a, a trio of yeah. them. Um, you know, there was those henchmen. I thought they were like occultists, <laughs> but they they have that woman tied up in the bed, and that fucking rapist fucking hates whimpering. He does. He does. <laughs> he wants silence at all times. <laughs> he does. <laughs> All times, uh, and he's so ignorant, man. He's blowing cigarette smoke in her face, and uh, he's such a dickhead. <laughs> I love, I love that, I love that scene because uh, Joey shows up at the, uh, I guess it's a porn set upstairs. Oh, yeah. He shows up, and he's walking around upstairs, and they're like, "Who's that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's probably the boss, probably one of his new broads." Yeah, I bet you that was a real uh, porn set that Tom Shaw had. Uh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. It's pretty fucking rickety ass porn set there's, there's a lot of scenes in this film too i should say and you know just i'm looking for some of the you know the ggtmc type moments and one of the things i noticed too there's a lot of scenes of um non-trained people going around corners with guns yes like there's, there's, so, there's, there's so many so many of those but there's one great moment where joey johnson's like running around like this it looks like his old like uh frontier town tourist attraction or something <laughs> at the beginning in that first shootout and he's actually running one way, and he sees a guy come out, and he actually ducks behind a building, and then that guy runs forward. Then he shoots that comes from behind and shoots the guy. And I was like, "Wow, that's that is what you would do, right?" I mean, they actually thought that through. But then there's a lot of scenes where, like on that porn set, where if I feel like he's not even behind anything, and he comes around a light, and he, yeah, know. you know, he turns and look, like he's looking for something, and I'm like, "What is he fucking doing?" The geography is wonky. Yeah, to say the least. But no, there are a few moments that they play well. I, I, the way I would describe <clears throat> Joey Johnson is he has like a good meat and potatoes swagger. <laughs> you know, like he's confident, but he's very much like a blue collar guy. Like he could never, you know, no one's going to say Joey Johnson's a dark horse candidate for James Bond. Oh, hell no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. Um, I, I just find it interesting. It almost feels like they must have known him or something because. I mean, I, I just don't see why you pick this guy. And even some of the henchmen, you know, are more interesting looking. So I don't know. I'm not saying this bad. I love him. Go ahead. Doug. He was probably a key grip on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. On one of the on, uh, Shaw's pornos. Probably. Yeah. Probably chewing cigarettes between uh, between scenes and someone thought he had the right intensity. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Both eyes. <laughs> There's a shootout here too that uh, it looks like uh, like the set from Blood Hands, the the Sean Donahue film, like all that like concrete kind of oh, like that yeah. <laughs> frame of a yeah. building or something like pre like mid construction. I love that scene because she's, she's like, I've never seen anybody killed before, and he's like, That's three. That's three, and then he goes, Now it's five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and at the end he's like, Don't worry, they'll come by in the morning and pick up the trash. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I was That's like, yes, amazing. yes, this is what I'm talking about. You know, this <laughs> the action hero who speaks in fucking diatribes and makes no no sense. You know, that, that's what I want, and that's what I got. That pilot and him, what a ball buster that pilot is! Like, <laughs> yeah. I think they were trying to go for like a, you know, kind of a, you know, friendly kind of ribbing, but like that pilot was such a ball buster, man. <laughs> he was. He was. Fuck. I'd be if I was Joey Johnson. I'd be like, fuck, I got to fly with Tom again. Tom's an asshole. He is an asshole. Um, I'll be forthright in saying there's a lot of fun scenes. This one, my favorite scene, involves uh, a female villain, and 
he goes he goes to this house and this woman's in like lingerie or a cat suit or something. She's pouring champagne and uh, she says, I don't care if I violence myself, except in the boudoir. Yes. I mean and, oh. <laughs> He's like, look he's like, look, bitch. You're gonna <laughs> talk. Listen, bitch. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, man. I'm watching it. My two-year-old daughter's laying next to me while I'm watching this last night. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, she hasn't picked up on this shit yet. Although she did pay attention to the scene where uh, JD's wife got killed. She's like, what happened? I was like, oh, she spilled ketchup on her shirt. She's like, oh, yeah, she's like, oh, she's like, oh, that's a mess. That's what my daughter said. And I was like, yeah, it's a mess. And uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, that that could be the review of this film for some folks. You know, what a mess. That mess. That mess. Um, but he, I love that scene with him and the woman. I'll tell you, JD, as tough as he is, man, he's got one glass chin in that oh, yeah. scene. So that scene is fucking weird because <laughs> every scene up to that point, JD is fucking macking on everybody. He's taking he's people control. out. He's aggressive. He's gritting his teeth. He's fucking tough. That scene, for some reason. <clears throat> Man, he just he he's he wilting like a fucking like a dead flower. Oh, like she is. kicks him in the nuts and he's done. Like he must have <laughs> huge balls. And <laughs> He's swollen, man. He's got. He hasn't. Yeah, he's just got plums. I like. I'm mean, at that point. I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, he, he's he's tough, but now this lady in the cat suit or leotard, whatever it is, she's just beating his ass. She is beating his ass, and that scene. I the, I love towards the back of that scene. He says to her. You're lucky I can't bring uh, bring myself to kill a woman, not even a bitch like you. <laughs> yeah. He kind of just walks, you know, off, walks off. He kind of walks off with swollen balls. Yeah, he does. The worst part, the worst part about that scene is that it was short lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish, I wish it was longer. But yeah, uh, yeah. There was you know, a, there's a moment too. I don't want to give it away, but there's a moment that happens at the very end of that scene. You're like, how did that even happen? I mean, when when did when did he? Well, I mean, how did that happen? I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't seem. You know, I didn't seem slip anything. You know, I mean. <laughs> and it's like she just fell for like. Speaking of Sean, um, Sean Wallace. Speaking of Wallace Sean, she just fell for that. <laughs> she really did. She got. She got Wallace Sean. Yeah. She did. Inconceivable. It, she thought it was inconceivable when that scene started, but man, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, JD has his angels. Like we should, we can just say that, right? JD's got his angels. Yeah, yeah. Like moms in the neighborhood. Let me get my let me get my Sammy moment in here. Let's uh, let's Wallace Shawn and a leotard. Hmm. Oh man, now we're talking. That's <laughs> a guy. Uh, yeah, that guy's sack of potatoes, man. Yeah, That'd be amazing. Ooh, amazing. Uh, I do wish we had an Eastern Promises style scene in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, do you, um, did, but I, you know what my favorite thing about that scene is? Not only that he comes running out in that towel, it's a nice terry cloth blue towel, but it's not only that he does that, it's it's the way she opens the door and it's the way he's drying himself off. He's got one leg up on the tub. So, he, <laughs> so he's drying himself off like a stud. You know, like his balls are so big that he has to put that leg up, you know, and, and dry off that hog, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he runs out. And by the way, his daughter, she's got still got a pacifier in her mouth and everything else, so she can't be much more than two or three. Who who lets their kid I mean, I, again, different times, I understand. But who leaves their you're a courier of death. Why do you leave your child out in the swing set by you know people are gonna come looking for your ass? He keeps doors unlocked, the front door unlocked, <laughs> yeah. his two year old daughter in the backyard. Yeah. I guess he's confident enough in his ability to to uh, react. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know, man. That, that's yeah. He likes to play with death. Again, I'm applying logic to an illogical situation, but either way, <laughs> it's still fun to talk about. I'm sitting there thinking, who, you know, get out there and zoom, zoom, zoomer. You know? Zoomer, yeah, you should be out there. Zoomer, zoomer's gonna zoom. Zoomer, zoomer, uh, zoomer, zoomer, zoomer. Uh, JD, JD ups the ante at the back, and when he pops the collar on his tuxedo for the big finish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, I'll say this: the bearded villain, who kind of reminds me of, uh, oh, what's his name from uh, the Stabilizer? What, what do they call him? Greg Livingston, or what do they call him? Greg Rainmaker. Greg Rainmaker. That's it. <laughs> that's the Rainmaker. He kind of reminds me of Rainmaker, and he goes, he's trying to negotiate, as the villains always do with yeah. the hero. Yeah. And he goes, a million, five million. It's like, you know, man, go ahead, Todd. I was going to say, do you know, he reminds me of, uh, like, Victor Buono crossed with uh, Orson Welles. With a da- oh, he did remind me of Orson Welles with a dash of Kenny Loggins, actually. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Like a beard, like Loggins in Messina era. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing! Good call on the Orson Welles because I thought this, this sort of theatricality of his. Yeah, no, you're right on there, man. You know, as, uh, speaking of that, the other day I was watching TV and there's a commercial with Dennis Quaid on, and I've noticed Dennis Quaid's had some work done on his face, and I thought to myself, man, he's starting to look like fucking Kenny Loggins. If you look at Dennis Quaid and <laughs> yeah. Kenny Loggins nowadays, man, they both had some work done. They need to back off that Botox. Dennis, they do. Dennis is uh, flying into the danger zone there. Yeah, yeah. He speaking is. of Botox, Kenny Rogers looks terrible, man. Oh my god. Whoa. Speaking oh of Kenny's that look terrible with Botox, Kenny yeah, let, Rogers. Let it go, man. This age, you know. I mean, he looks fuck. like a broster chicken. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, big time, big time. Oh, oh I remember that. Oh, man. <laughs> big time. Oh, it's it's so unfortunate. Yeah. Just let bring it back seventies, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like let go uh, of that uh, that boat that those chemicals, man. You'll need that. Oh, it's terrible, man. Doesn't even look like the same guy. Um, uh, I like that JD as much as he's like a tough guy. Like he gets worked over in the film. Oh yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. He gets just good. Yeah, like this guy Carter at the back end works him over pretty good, and the woman works him over pretty good. Like he gets worked over like Van Damme. It's not like Seagal where he just is untouchable. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- those uh, are the best action heroes, right? Are the ones who come through. Uh, you know, they look like the forty miles of bad road after they come through the other end of it, right? Like yeah. John McClane and all that stuff. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. The only gripe I have, not the only gripe, well, one of very few gripes I have is I feel like there's a very abrupt ending. I wish we had a guy like a, a little more triumphant ending. Yeah. Like it's just kind of abrupt. Yeah, a it's bunch just, of strangers. It's, yeah, it's a strange ending. Uh, it's strange that they brought the, the, the family into that, too, at the end. That was weird. Uh, that must have been like, that was a dentist that financed the film for 10 grand, so like you guys get a cameo or something. Yeah, it was odd. I mean, I just, I'm not saying yeah. it was bad. It was fine. It was just... You know, I, I like the way it was set up. You know, the little girl walk, you know, runs over him. I think it's a little girl. I think they say let him go at one point, but either way, what is that noise? Somebody washing. I think somebody's little... taking a shower. William's up. He's washing his hands. Washing his hands of this courier of death. Yeah. <laughs> washing his hands of this review. I wash my hands and my feet of you. Yes. <laughs> That reminds me, so I don't really have a whole lot more to add to Will's things, and Will's not done, but I just want to throw this in there before I forget. Oh, I'm done. Oh, well, okay. Well, I just want to, I'll let Todd go in here a second, but I just want to throw this in there before I forget because I didn't make a note of this, but I do remember this. I remember thinking, I wish it would have went a little bit more with the ultraviolence in some scenes. So there's one scene where they can't get the briefcase off. I think it's at the beginning, right? So they shoot his fucking, yes. they shoot his fucking hand off his wrist. 
Uh, and I love that. I was hoping for more of that, but unfortunately, that's the only kind of gruesome scene in the film. There is violence, but it's well, well there is a. They uh, have a few squibs too that are yeah. kind of well. They're like maybe not even squibs, but like blood stains on clothes. That yeah, somebody does right. get shot in the dick. That's my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene's good. It's always classic when somebody gets shot in the dick, especially with a forty-four. Yeah. Man, that's a that's a serious shot. But Todd, go ahead. You got anything you want to add to JD? Blackman's. Uh, 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 just a few things here and there. Um, the uh, oh, early on, there's a, a villain in this thing. He's got uh, a bowl cut. I think he was. Um, I think he was uh, like the henchman uh, for Bigelow, and he reminded me of Jim Shooter. For those of you who know who Jim Shooter is uh, from Marvel Comics. Um, oh man, that's oddly that is the second time. So this week I've been listening to an audio book about Marvel versus DC in the sixties <laughs> and seventies, and I've been hearing a lot of Jim Shooter quotes. So what are the odds that somebody's going to bring up Jim Shooter today? Kismet, man. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? How did that happen? That is funny. <laughs> That is, uh, that is uh, you know, all, you know, uh, more power to him. But that is not an attractive man, Jim Shooter. I knew. Boy. Although I will say this, his uh, his reign uh, on Marvel was one of my favorites. It was. So. It was. It was a great reign. But, man, there's, oh a, my reason, God. there's a reason why he was writing comic books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh. <laughs> uh, Pizza the so- Hut. <laughs> 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 Uh, or the uh, who's the guy who uh, John Travolta raced at the end of Greece? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, JD uh, he's got like a really a real psychopathic air to him, like we've been kind of saying. Uh, and the film, you know, feels kind of as skeezy as an old porn uh, would, like back in the day, back when they would kind of get away with a lot of the uh, the casual sort of uh, misogyny that they would do. Yeah. Uh, but this thing just has, you know, a lot of violence instead of sex in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, JD and, is a psychopath, right? I mean, he's got oh a two year old. Yeah. He's got a two year old daughter and a family, yet he loves to go out there and just fucking shoot people. Yeah. Like <laughs> all over the joint. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, I love how the leather fedora guy basically just uses the old land shark bit to get into houses. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Just knocks on the door. He's like, uh, "Ma'am, uh, I'm here. I got this uh, delivery for you, ma'am." Yeah. They open the door and he just like waltzes right in. Yeah, she's like, oh, "She didn't get in. the memo that you know there was lots of death <laughs> around does, the courier." He does it like more than once, though. Yeah, I know. I know. He comes back. That's a fucking. That's a trick worth uh, writing down. I think. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, if you were to do something like that. But, yes, exactly. Uh, but then, I mean, and it's kind of like there is there are things to to like about this, and uh, I will admit, uh, and partly because I was exhausted, I did fall asleep a few times while I was watching it. But uh, you know, like we've been saying, the story travels in about as straight a line as it's possible to do. Uh, there's no peaks, no valleys, twists or turns. It's just kind of flat land. Yep. And I think for me. Uh, that was kind of what really took the steam out of it for me. Uh, like there's, yeah, there's a lot of those little, those little things, the little moments, uh, and sort of, um, eccentricities that it has that only this sort of, uh, you know, $2 movie had. Um, but at the same time, yeah, the way that it just kind of laid there really just made me kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that, uh, I, 
I, not that I, again, not that I didn't, uh, not that I didn't like it. It just it, it didn't really bowl me over, yeah, yeah. Uh, or really kind of. Um, it didn't really have the entertainment value that I, I wanted to kind of get out of it. Just that kind of you know, forget about everything, kind of uh, let it all go. Yeah. Deal. So I think you know you know listen to me and we'll talk about it. You might think it's a great film. It's not. It, I think the the thing that I'm talking that that always strikes me with movies like this is so Joey Johnson is interesting and the way they do his character is interesting and that's fun. But nothing else in this film is really. I mean, none of the supporting characters or anything are really they they they're very one dimensional and they have nothing to offer. No, yeah, there's, there's no there's no variation for yeah, for anything. Nothing. Yeah, they're all the tracksuit guy, right? They're all. Oh yeah, guy. exactly. I guess you know we could look at this. We use food analogy slot to talk about uh, you know film. Let's see, I'm not a, a good a, you know good Frank or a good hot dog in about a year, or even a decent hot dog. Mm-hmm. You're hungry one day, you know, you can't get to dinner. So you're like, you know, I'm going to stop at this hot dog stand and have a hot dog. That's what this film is to me. Like, sure, yeah, I hadn't watched yeah. anything junky, kind of fun, low-budget action in a while. I was refreshed. I watched it this morning at um, 5.30 this morning, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, was, I wasn't, I was like, fatigued and kind of run down and passing out. So that probably benefited the, the experience for me. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, will say, I will say this. It does have the – it does have the um, – the distinction of you know tending to stay with you in a certain way. Yeah, it does. I mean you, you you don't really forget this movie even though it's forgettable. It's yeah. one of those kind of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll agree with that. So, I'll agree. That. I'll never you know, forget. You know, give, it, death. give it credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And it, it, and it's it's interesting. It's only an eighty minute film, right? Yeah. And and yeah. and yet it's padded like a motherfucker. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it, what. Uh, it's like that uh, that Spanish giallo we did a, a while back, where they would keep cutting to the turkey buzzard oh. going nuts. Oh man! That's what the that's what the fucking airplane scenes were to me. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's in that vein. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, though, I, I really don't have anything else uh, to add to you. Yeah. I think I think the thing I appreciate about the film is again like like uh, the regional horror films that were made in the seventies and eighties, it seemed like uh, the the action genre had its own little regional run too. But again, oh, yeah. this is pre Netflix, right? So Netflix is just doing now what the video stores were doing back in the day. You just wanted content. You just wanted stuff to put on the shelves. Yeah, fill the shelves. Yeah, and and even though some of the stuff that like these streaming services is putting out is of high quality, I've been watching the Luke Cage show, which I quite enjoy, by the way. Um, some of the stuff is high quality and well done. Uh, some of it's schlock, but just with a digital filter or maybe some better special effects, right? I mean, I've watched some of these straight to streaming service films, and they're pretty they're pretty garbage. Um, oh yeah. So I mean, it's it's just the same concept, just a different time, and uh, I find it kind of interesting. That there's almost a, and we say this a lot, I know, but I mean, you get this from the, I mean, there's a certain nostalgia, certainly, but there's almost an innocence to the ridiculousness of this movie. Um, it's totally stupid. It, 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 oh, uh, yeah. The characters make no, everybody is just a, um, I don't know. It's like they're playing a big fancy game of tag, and Joey Johnson's just running around uh, tagging everybody, and he's winning the game. And yeah. nobody, nobody wants to, you know, admit that this little guy running around with a big gun. Is you know like the greatest tag player of all time. It's just it's just it's just a silly movie. But I will agree with Todd. I think Todd says the most poignant thing here. For some reason, 
this film has something, and I can't put quite place it, but I'm not going to forget it. And so we've watched a lot of bad action movies on the show. We've watched a lot. Of, I've watched a lot of bad action movies personally in my life. I know you guys have as well. There's a lot of those films. There's films we reviewed on the show that I can't even remember that we reviewed. It's true. Oh sure. But I guarantee you, maybe it's the title, maybe it's the the myriad of, of plane shots of uh, the Pacific Northwest. Maybe it's just Joey Johnson and that that puffy leather jacket. I don't know what it is, but I will not forget Courier of Death for some reason. Uh, and, I, and maybe it is because Joey Johnson is the he's not the prototypical action hero. He's like so the opposite of what I'm used to seeing. And in any even in the Vanity Project, you usually have a guy like David Hevner or something, somebody who who finds themselves attractive. Uh, and maybe I'm speaking ill of David Hefner there. Maybe he doesn't think he's attractive. I find that hard to believe. Oh, but. <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. But but that is yeah. a walkie-talkie vanity project. Yeah, yeah. Never-ending. So, yeah. So I mean, like when we did uh, that film, the David Hefner film, I remember less about that Hefner film we did, except the song. Uh, there was a song in there I remember I liked quite a bit. Uh, I can't remember what the name of that film was. Something Redneck or something. High tech redneck. Oh, I don't remember what it was called. Something redneck. High tech redneck. That's a, that's a George Jones song, I think. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was a heavener, uh, and I can't remember. Forgive me, and I'm not going to look it up. But I, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, this has something. So I've seen a you know more than a handful of heavener films, and a lot of those I've forgotten. This film, just by its sheer, I don't know, audacity or lack thereof, whatever you want to say, will at least be memorable. Maybe it's the setting. You know, I mean, the only thing that could have made it aces for me is like, you know, if Bigfoot would have popped up because they tend to shoot a lot of Bigfoot movies in the Pacific Northwest as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, maybe it's, or maybe it's the, the intensity of it because this thing is, you know, for you, the uh, Mr. Johnson is quite, uh, quite intense. He's high strung. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, the blood pressure is high on Joey Johnson. Oh, yeah. Not the whole film, you know. I'm trying to. I, Raging Cajun is the. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> Raging Cajun. There you go. Raging Cajun. That's the one we watched. Yeah. So now some of that stuff's starting to come back to me in my head, right? Like I'm, I've been thinking about it ever since I said it. Now some of the movies come back to my head. Either way, um, this. I mean, it was fun. It was silly. Uh, I see reviews saying it's a waste of film. Let me tell you, I've seen 80 minute films that are way worse than this. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, absolutely. Todd historically is a much tougher critic than Will and I. And if Todd can come away from it saying that he won't forget it, it's got to have something because yeah, because I mean he's a much he's much tougher on films I think than me and Will are. And and I, I, I mean obviously this is amateurish to the to the hilt. <laughs> but I gotta say, even with saying that, some of the some of the editing is pretty good. Yeah, no, some of the action stuff's fair. Like the, I was gonna say, like the early early car chase scene is competently shot for a low budget action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not bad. I mean, that, for- that sounds like faint praise, but listen, we've seen some bad, like terrible. Yeah, like they, cinematography so we, and editing you said, and stuff. You said it earlier. I mean, they get the geography of the scenes a little dodgy sometimes with the jumping out from behind stuff with the guns and stuff. But for the most part, the action scenes made sense, as ridiculous as they were. They made sense. Like, you know, the guys hid behind trees. Uh, there's a scene where, in the in that first shootout scene, where one guy gets shot in the leg and he goes up in the air, which I found interesting, jumps up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's some gruesome scenes too, right? Some headshots that I didn't expect. 
uh, some cruelty that I didn't expect. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm looking into this saying they're trying to make a statement. I don't think that at all. I think this is a pure exploitation film made to make a buck. And that's, that's all it's made for. It's not made for any kind of artistic merit. It is purely just content made to, you know, sell some tapes. But mm-hmm. uh, in saying that, uh, you know, I, I, I got to say, they, they, they did go for it, and it's not the uh, worst one of these I've ever seen. I'm sure we'll see much worse. I'm, I'm sure we'll see worse at some point in the next few months. I mean, I, I just know the history of the show. We, we tend to look for these things. And uh, I never listened to Jake and Chris's review of the film. I know Chris likes the film quite a bit. Um, I don't know how Jake feels about it, but I know Chris likes the film quite a bit. And I think the, the thing that really I come away with it from is just it's just over-the-top ridiculous. I think it's... You know, shooting people in the dick, the the amount of aggression that Joey Johnson has, the fact that, you know, he, he's a father. But, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, and again, maybe I'm putting too much into this. I think once you have children, you tend to calm down a little bit. I know it's his job to be a courier of death, but uh seems to me like he's willing to drop the, you know, his daughter and off with just about anybody, which and uh, just go out and kill some people, you know. It just, just seems odd to me. Like, he's almost like... <laughs> He's almost like Jason Voorhees or like one of the boogeymen from a slasher films and that he'll just go out and do what's got to be done. He does, man. He's all about it. But maybe putting too much into that. But man, for a YouTube watch, if you're happening across something, you're bored one night, you got a little time to kill or you want to go to sleep, you want to watch something that might, you know, I mean, this is like the, the perfect one of those. I mean, I think, you know, 79 minutes. I mean, come on. Oh, sweet spot length, man. Yeah, sweet spot. And even, and, and even that, you can... You can really kind of, outside of listening to the ball-busting dialogue from Tom, you can fast-forward through the, uh, you know, the airplane scenes because they're just scenery shots, right? It's just filler. But uh, they're trying to give us. Sorry, you know, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say they're, just, they're trying to give us some camaraderie and kind of buddy ball-busting, but it's it just comes across as just ball-busting. Yeah, and it's pretty limp. Like I mean, it's not even, it's not even the kind of ball-busting. Like you know, at least with friends, the ball-busting can be funny, and almost mm-hmm. loving. If you're really busting balls, I mean, I think if a real ball buster, there's a hint of truth to the ball busting, but mostly it's a way of saying, man, I love you, man. You know, I'm fucking going to make fun of the fuck out of you. You know, it's a, that's just the way guys do with each other. And it, does, it doesn't come off as that. It comes off more like, you know, somebody trying to write ball busting dialogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's pretty painful. All right. Uh, that's all I got. Let's get into scores, make or breaks. Will, what you got? Make or break scene, the scene, the weird sexual scene with like the dominatrixy branch of the evil organization which is consists of one woman in like a cat suit with some poison champagne um and heels that seems great to me uh it's just a kind of different scene that we don't usually see in these films um mbt i'm gonna go with the just the energy that the film has and i guess a lot of that is due to joey johnson right i mean if we had a really flat ass lazy figurative figuratively speaking on the flat ass uh lazy hero it would have dragged the film down i don't know did, um, you, did you look at that leotard close it wasn't too puffy no it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't there wasn't much juice in the caboose that's yeah. for sure but I, think, I think joey had more juice going joey had more juice man we didn't get to see it in that house he missed opportunity there um you got to be in prime shape to roll around naked in a fight scene and not look like a slob though yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you really got to be in good shape yeah like but, like four like single digit body fat like yeah yeah there's like a handful of actors that can get away with that period because you can sit in a chair and look like a slob man yeah even if you're in good shape hey, but, you know even going back we never did eastern promises but if you think about that scene you know you vigo's in great shape most of the time anyway he's just one of those kind of specimen type actors 
characters. But yeah, you know, also to run around like that, you got to be well equipped. And you know, I mean, that's not that's not a glorious position to be in. I'm not saying you got to no, have. Man. I'm not saying you got to be John Holmes. But I mean, what I remember from that Eastern Promises scene is. Fucking Vigo's got a huge fucking set of hog balls, is what I remember. He's packing some heat, man. <laughs> yeah. He's packing some heat. I don't know about the Vigo sausage, but the fucking meatballs are they're packed. <laughs> he had to the mi- beans are on point. Yeah, he, Frank. He got that Maybe middle. not the meat, but the two veg. Yeah, the two veg. <laughs> yeah. the, that gra- gravity's taking effect, though, Vigo. Yeah. Just so you know. That's true. Yeah. Be careful, man. <laughs> Those fuckers will hit the bowl of water before your shit will, man. <laughs> That's not good. Dip your toe in the water. Oh, man. He starts pulling his skin up over his dick. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Guys are just going to start getting tucked. Yeah. Strudel tucks aren't that far away, my friends. Oh, they're happening. They're happening. I, I know they're ha- supple balls. They're definitely uh, they're happening in the porn industry. I know that for sure. Yeah, a, I don't doubt it, man. Yeah, they're getting the tucks. Getting the, getting the lifts, Get so the to speak. Snooker balls in a pantyhoe, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. It's clackers. Um, my score is going to be very generous, but I'll tell you, I have to... I watch a lot of stuff with my kids that I, I've either rediscovered and loved or um, trying to show them that I knew I loved. So for me to kind of watch something that I hadn't seen, it was just junky comfort food. I'm going to give this one a 7.5, man. I nice, got no nice. shame in my game. I really enjoyed this. This isn't Pantheon, but this is like, you know, this isn't like a heavy like a Hall of Famer, but this is like. Um, it's like right below out of the jury, right? It's like. Yeah, either jury's better for sure. This yeah. would be like um, a few sports. Like if you if our Pantheon films were Hall of Fame players, then yeah. this would be like like a solid eight or nine year starter in a league. Like yeah. you know, you were getting consistency and certain level of quality. Solid offensive lineman, right? Yes. There we go. Absolutely. That's a good one to put in front. All right, Todd, what you got? All righty, uh, make or break. Yeah, it's the uh, the scene, the S and M scene there with the the lady in the in the cat suit. <laughs> Um, it really is the standout. And it's the standout because it's it's so unlike everything else <laughs> uh, that that this movie has to offer. Um, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of a flash um, of uh, of creativity that the rest of the film, for me at least, is largely lacking. Yeah, in, in yeah. Regard. Uh, MVT is going to be JD's uh, Canadian tuxedo. Nice. Um, yeah. Just because, I mean. When am I ever get? Well, I shouldn't say that. I will probably have many opportunities to give it to that again. Uh, but I'm giving yeah. it. I'm giving it on this one. Um, and score for me is a five out of ten. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there are things to uh, to like about it. There's, it's certainly you know memorable enough for certain reasons. Uh, but overall, I just found myself kind of tuning out, uh, except for the uh, the more colorful bits and pieces here and there. Uh, uh, on it so yeah. that's what i got guys all right uh my mvt i'm gonna go with joey man i like joey a lot in the film i, I think he's fun uh i've been reading the uh, behind the scenes and the trivia stuff as we've been uh doing the review here and one of these uh one of these reviewers say that he's not the same guy that wrote the song for the wrestler and stuff so i don't know again oh, IMDb that's is, heartbreaking. yeah that is uh, i mean imdb is a you know a public site, you know, you can add stuff and things. It's kind of like Wikipedia, so you you got to take everything you see on there. A bit of, you know, it also says he's not the guy that was in the Patsy, but now I got to go see the Patsy again to make sure. Because one thing about Joey Johnson, you can't say he's got a memorable face. I mean, I don't think yeah. I'm gonna, you know, forget that face. So maybe he is in there, but that would be, 
I mean, that'd be 60, that'd be 20 years. And he doesn't look like he's much past like 35 in this film, really. Yeah, so, so he's still. So he'd be really young if he was in the Patsy. Anyway, uh, I, I totally agree with you guys on the make or break because I think the scene that does easily stands out is the dominatrix slash tough chick slash leotard scene. It certainly is the standout scene, but I'm going to give it to the the bar scene where he goes in and he <laughs> he walks around. They shoot the whole bar, which I find interesting, which is only like a little structure. Uh, he walks he walks right past the guy at the table by by camera logic. He walks right by the guy on the table, walks around the pool table, and then looks the same way he came in. And the guy sitting at the table, he walked past. So it makes yeah. no sense. Uh, and yet, and yet, it makes perfect sense. Yes, and so, and then he, you know, he he tortures the guy a little bit, gives him, a, you know, I'm gonna carve uh, some initials in your face. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and with a bottle, and then he leaves. But he knows this guy's not gonna let it go, so he turns around on point and he shoots the guy in the dick. <laughs> so you know, it's it's classic. You know, I mean, it's great. Um, so I got I got to give it to that scene because I was like, what in the fuck is going on? So it was fun. And the concept of the film is fun, right? I mean, it's the, the courier of death. I mean, he's a guy that just moves money, moves bonds, and and does stuff. Uh, the in, in true '80s fashion, the the box art, at least the box art's on IMDb, does not sell the movie at all. There's some cars going sideways and everything. I don't remember any of that happening. But uh, it's not as ridiculous as the Indonesian action movies we love to watch. But it is ridiculous. So, but I'll give it that my make or break. And my score is just a little bit lower than Will's by half a point, and a little higher than Todd's by two. I'll go seven out of ten. I enjoyed this. Uh, I was surprised I enjoyed it as much as I did. It's a very murky transfer, VHS transfer to YouTube, and it's not pretty to look at. But I think the commitment from Joey Johnson really, you know, as I get older, I admire people who really go for it in in movies because it'd be so easy to not go for it. And as I get older, I tend to enjoy overacting. I tend to enjoy yes. all that kind of stuff because it's it's so outside the norm. Uh, you know, this is Charles Bronson. Like, he's not saying nothing. He's just pulling the gun out. And he doesn't have to. Charles Bronson had the face and the charisma. He doesn't have to say shit. Joey Johnson doesn't have that. So Joey goes full tilt. <laughs> they give him all kinds of crazy dialogue, which I wouldn't be surprised if he just didn't make up on the spot. Because anytime there's a lot of fucks, you got to feel like people are just making shit up, right? It's yeah, they're they're padding their dialogue, right? Yeah. Transitional. I always feel that way, especially language. especially in comedy, like rated R comedies. I always feel like you know if they're dropping the f bomb every other word, and like at that point they're like, you know what, just say this, you know, this will this will be funny. Yep. And, you oh, know, yeah. Just throwing the you know fucking in there every other thing is 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 tends to I guess I don't know if it's shock value or what it is or just a word like I like to use just to fill in between stuff an adjective or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I had fun with it. I was surprised how much fun I had with it. I love that poster that, uh, I guess it's a Spanish or yeah, it looks like a Spanish. It looks poster. incredible. Yeah. It's a great poster. I mean, it's, it's as simple as can be. And I, I love it. <laughs> can I, can I say one more thing? And I think, you know, we often say this and you just said it, Sammy, and I said it, uh, you know, there's that saying dance, like no one's watching. Yes, exactly. I love when our our stars in these films dance like no one's watching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I wish I could put on the box for this film. Joey Johnson dances like no one's watching, and it's a joy to behold. Yes, yes. You know? And Joey Johnson will never be remembered for anything, right? I mean, he you know just he's probably who knows what he's doing. Evidently, I think one of the IMDb reviews says he works for the state of Oregon, uh, doing some type of like park work or something. So. So oh he, man, I'd love to get him on the show. So he's out there somewhere. So I mean, I, I you know, I, I just find it interesting 
I really always find interesting actors who kind of disappear. You know, not in the uh, the samurai cop kind of way, which was interesting enough, but in this way as well. This kind of go back oh. to normal working. You guys hear that chirping? Yeah, what is that? That's our alarm. The dog is being let out without the house alarm being disarmed. Oh, that's always fun. That's fun. So that's a nice break <laughs> yeah. Sorry to get in there. No, no. But no I'm I think it was in there last the week, way. too. Yeah. It's becoming a thing. It's becoming a part of our show. Yeah. But I find that interesting. I was actually just this morning, I was making my coffee for the show, and I saw that the guy that played, uh, I don't know, one of the Huxtable daughters' uh, uh, husbands. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was bagging groceries at Trader Joe's in New Jersey. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, that's him. And I've always found it interesting that, you know, actors' careers kind of go the way they do sometimes, you know. That's tough business, you know, and you're lucky if you can, uh, you know, People make fun of actors who end up in B and Z grade movies, but I mean, if you can make it to you're Z grade, you're lucky to make one. Yeah, you're lucky yeah. to make one, and and if you can make a career in B and Z, uh, you're working. I mean, you might not be working great, but you're working, and a lot that's a lot more than a lot of actors can say. It's true. So you know, I remember Michael Douglas one time saying that you know it's a dangerous career because it's got a ninety plus percent unemployment rate, and I'm sitting there thinking, fuck that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I clearly know I'm not an actor, so. <laughs> but I remember thinking even then as a young kid, I'm thinking I'd like to be a filmmaker when I grow up. And he said 90% is the industry standard. And I'm like, yeah, I might not go for that. <laughs> and Sam yeah. Fear agrees. He agrees with uh, <laughs> that risky proposition, man. Yeah, but very few people can rock the pan flute. So I'm sure that's probably a 99.9% .9 unemployment rate area. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of people running around with pan flutes. Although Joey that's Johnson, true. oddly could play pan in any film probably he could uh, okay that's our review of uh career of death we're going to take a short break we're going to come back and we're going to talk jim kata you guys are going to love it fuck uh, yeah <laughs> we'll be back right after this the following message is a paid advertisement for the cult of muscle podcast the cult of muscle you're either in it or you're dead it's the dawning of a new age the halls of valhalla have been shuttered the heroes of yore have either retreated to the shadows or taken to capering for the amusement of the small folk, their past glories a distant memory. The barbells have been torn from their once puma-strong grips, the beards shone from their square jaws only to be transplanted onto flannel-clad, puny weaklings with fingers barely powerful enough to strum a ukulele. The time has come, my brothers to restore order from the chaos. No longer will our heroes be forgotten. No longer will their great deeds be viewed through a foggy lens of irony. Hear now our rallying cry as we scream it from the mountaintops, as we bellow it from iTunes and Libsyn and Facebook. It's time to join the cult, my brothers. So don your cloaks and enter the cult of muscle.
right, everybody. So we're going to talk a little Jim Cotta. Uh, so so let, let me to give a history of the show. You know, I've been doing it for almost ten years. Don't don't doing it for a decade, yo. Um, we we've talked about Jim Cotta probably I don't know twenty thirty times probably in some way, shape, or form. Kind of even if it's offhand, we may have even mentioned it in the first episode. I don't even know, but we never got around to recording an actual review of the film. So here we are, all these years later. And we're going to be talking about 1985's uh, Jim Cotta, which is, you would think, tailor-made for us, and you might be right. I mean, it's it's that fun period when they, you know, the gymnastics was kind of a, a thing for a while in movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was a little small. It was a small time. It was this, I think, American Anthem. Uh, yep. There might have been a couple more. But trying to use turn gymnasts into movie stars, this one has Kurt Thomas in it. And, the, the other uh, one, sorry, Sammy, go ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Um, wasn't the other one who I guess is even more somehow, maybe not more, but on par in terms of how GGTMC the film is? Uh, was it Mitch Gaylord who did Rickshaw, American Rickshaw for like, oh, yeah. Yeah. For like, um, who was it? Like Lindsay or Fulci or someone? It may have been Sergio Martino. Or maybe Martino. Yeah. Anyway, that's the other kind of big. GGTMC gymnast film, I think. Yeah, yeah. So you know these guys are—they're very athletic, obviously, and they their bodies move very well. And Kurt Thomas, even though I think he only trained uh, for martial arts for this film, yeah. Uh, the way they shoot him and everything, uh, and we'll get into it. Uh, he kind of holds his own, right? So for what it is, yeah. I'll say that. Absolutely, for what it is, yeah. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yep. So let me give you a brief plot synopsis of Jim Cotta here. An American gymnast travels to a foreign country to compete in a deadly game, not won by anyone other than a native in more than 900 years. And I'm guessing that native is Thorg? Is that the native that wanted? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a lot of ambiguities surrounding <laughs> the titular Jim Cotta. Or is, what's the, the event's not called Jim Cotta. Is no, it? it's, called, it's just called The Game. The, the Game, game, the game yeah. itself, the rules are very foggy. Um, the history is even more foggy. The country's fog. There's a lot of fog, literally and figuratively, surrounding this Dude, film. This, get, this game, quote-unquote, <laughs> might be the most confusing game in the history oh of fucking cinema. It's, it's basically Double Dare with, like, bows and arrows. <laughs> yeah. It's basically a Tough Mudder GGTMC style I can, where no one knows the fucking rules. Yeah. When the participants are breaking the rules. That's right. Like, I can't figure out what's going on because uh, at times the guys in the, the quote-unquote ninja clan mask uh, at times, they're just standing there holding flags, and then at times, they whip out the bow and arrow, and at times, they whip out the sword. I'm like, okay, well, make up your fucking mind, dude. Either stand there and guide the folks, or, you know, fucking get in the game or something. I'm like, I'm, I was getting so confused by that and so irritated. I, I think what it is is that the guys with the flags are, are just there to be <clears throat> like signposts. Okay. Yes, they are. And the, and the other guys are the actual participants in the game. And here's the other thing is that I, I thought for a brief second, and having seen this movie about a bajillion fucking times when I was a kid, um, that the uh, the villagers were going to run out there and, and be chasing people too. But yeah. not so much. It's only the... Uh, the ninja, the ninja clansmen yeah. uh, guys. And I'll say this, man: worst head start in the history of games. <laughs> oh man, you, is it ever? You get you get like a whopping like twenty seconds to get out of the fucking <laughs> castle courtyard, and then dudes are on horseback. Yeah, which we'll you're talk- almost better to start all at the same time. Hope some horses trip each other up. <laughs> yeah. 
and then roll out. <laughs> like these guys, Fuck. this is like talk about the instant generation, man. These fucking these this ta- this town is they're fucking millennials, dude. They want that shit right away. Yeah, uh-huh. that town, that village of millennials. Yeah. So anyway, Which I, I got nothing. Ag- I got nothing against millennials. Yeah. We're just, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we're that. just talking about how you know you want this immediacy, but I mean. So basically, the game's the mood. I don't know who's going to lead, but we'll we'll talk about it here in a minute. Uh, who will lead? But basically, the movie's a riff on the most dangerous game, right? It's based on a novel yeah. called The Terrible Game, and uh, terrible game. <laughs> it's a terrible title. <laughs> that is a fucking horrible title. <laughs> yeah. <The> terrible game. <laughs> and and uh, I almost want to read the book. I almost got to, but the <laughs> the uh, oh. the. In all those games, in all those all those games, and all those movies with that terrible game, years. <laughs> yeah, there's always you know like a day head start, or usually they send them out a couple days earlier. Maybe they just drop them in or something. Um, and this one, yeah, literally, I mean, and it doesn't make any sense. I don't, it's almost like there's one scene. So, I guess I'll go ahead and lead on this. So, so since if you guys are cool with it. You know. If you want to have the twenty second head start, be, be good with it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yakmala, so, Rick. So, so Yuck. let me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what a comb over that guy's got! By the way, <laughs> it's amazing. <Good> Lord. <laughs> it's amazing. This movie and set of choppers. This movie in West Germany is known as Asia Mission. Nice <laughs> to keep it, but it's, it's the indeterminate location mission. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Is it, is it Eastern Europe? Is it even my sons go like, <laughs> why are they wearing turbans? Is this Europe? What's happening? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so like such a hodgepodge of of visual, like um, ethnic, like visual ethnic. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like cue cards, or not cue, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 turbans, fucking bazaars, uh, <laughs> ninjas, and it looks like some of it may have been shot in another country, maybe. Uh, but that bazaar, by the way, is it looks like fucking shot in like downtown LA or something. Everybody's everybody's very American looking, like all dressed up like the crew or something, anyway. Um, also, just for fun's sake, we should say that uh, Richard Norton's character's name, add an F, you got Zamfir, bro. I mean, his name is Zamir, but you just had an F right there in front of that eye. You got Zamfir. I can't believe I never caught that. That's for shame. Yeah, they should have named him Zamfir. Anyway, uh, so this film does star Kurt Thomas. Uh, he's Jonathan Cabot. Uh, we see some uh, moves from him in the beginning. Yeah, some moves, like moose knuckle, or some moves. Some moves, yeah, some moves. We see a little bit, of, yeah. We probably see a little yeah, bit of that too. He's got some short shorts. Yeah, he did a few he things. Yeah, <laughs> he did a few things. This notably, and then uh, some TV movie called Circus. I don't know what that is. You can um, bet he's a trapeze artist. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Looks like it's just about uh the circus life. <laughs> it's written for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's. I'm looking at the uh, the cast because I'm thinking, oh, it's Thomas Rasulala's in there, and Billy Bob Thornton's in that movie. Weird. Anyway, um, and then he did something called Slam in 2003, but he hasn't done anything since. So, you know, again, they tried to grab somebody similar to like Mitch Gaylord, who has a look, and throw him into the film. You know, he's got the he's rocking a serious mullet in this. It's a nice. Oh, yeah, it's not too it not. Yeah, it's not too long, not too short. It's like right in that uh, sweet mullet zone. 
it's a, yeah, it's like a good bad. boy mullet. Yeah, it's a good, and a bad boy mullet. Perfect. It's a good, yeah, it's a good boy mullet. It's, man. The, it's, the, it's the business mullet, man. It's the business uh-huh. mullet. Uh huh. That's exactly what, what it is. is. He's getting away with it. You know, his parents are like uptight and upper class. He's that's the yeah. edge in your bat mullet. Have your cake and eat it too, mullet. Yeah, we get. I like uh, the boy mullet. <laughs> yeah, we get Tetchki. Uh, was it Tetchki? Is it Tetchi? She was a Playboy Playmate at one point. Yeah, she was. She's from the Philippines. That's not her real name. Her real name is Visitacion Parado. Nice, nice. Doesn't roll off the tongue as much as Techi That Agbayani. is easy for you to say. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you go from that name to Techi Agbayani. I mean, yeah, you know, Techi's not very feminine. Yeah, if you're going to change your name. Uh, just a pro tip, uh, you know, like something like Sarah Jones might work, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you go from uh, this complicated name to a complicated name doesn't really make much sense. Or if she went like something Parado, yeah. right? Or mm. I don't know. It's a complicated name but for this complicated Egg- game. The only reason I know how to say Egbenyani is because wasn't there a baseball player, Benny Egbenyani? I think so. I think so. That's the only reason I know. She has a lot of credits. She's done a lot of stuff. She's in, uh, she's got 97 credits on uh, IMDb. So she's she's actually kind of um she's kind of fun in the film. They don't give her a lot to do, but she's not dreadful. I mean, she she's relatively charming. She seems pretty comfortable on the screen. Yeah. Um and she's easy on the eyes, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of what uh I mean, I know I've seen her in other stuff and I'm looking through her filmography <clears throat> here and she was she's in a couple other things with um Richard Richard Norton. So Anyway, to kind of move into that, Richard Norton is in the film, so this is a return for him on the GGTMC. I can't remember the last thing he was in a Future film. Hunter, I think. Yeah, right? Future Hunters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, that there's that wasn't on that show, but I think he was on something. He was in something else we did as well. Of course, he he pops up from time to time. He's a pretty famous character actor. For GGTMC purposes, yeah, he's very much. Uh, he's 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 a GGTMC stalwart, right? Yeah, like. Yeah. He's, he's definitely one that's popped up. I'm trying to think, yeah, what else he would have been in, Sammy? I don't well, know. Well, he recently he was in um, <clears throat> he was in Mad Max Fury Road, and, yeah, and uh, he's been in a few other things. But he's but he's an Australian man, uh, very rugged, great looks, right? I mean, he, he oh yeah, uh, great shape, you know. And of course, he's he's a talented uh, martial artist and stuntman. So he's still working quite a bit as well. I mean, he got 63 credits himself, so. But he's in a lot of, and I mean a lot of GGTMC esque type films. So he will Jeez, come. Yeah. He will come up again. <laughs> Absolutely, and I always like seeing him in films because he's one of those guys that he's good looking enough, yet rugged enough that he can kind of do good guy or bad guy. He kind of walks that line pretty fifty fifty. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly, and then uh, Conan Lee's in here as well. So yeah. So also, and kind, and, and kind of wasted. Yeah. Sadly, he gets one good scene with yeah. uh, Bob Shot with Bobby Shot, but uh, you know my son had it. I was betting his money on Conan Lee early on. He's like, "Yeah, that guy's gonna go far." Yeah, <laughs> so he hit the the wall. That is Bob Shot, that dirty motherfucker. Well, I don't think Conan Lee. You know, this is only his second film credit, so I don't think really. You know, this is obviously this isn't the Conan Lee we would come to know. Um, but you know, he he had more success. I think when he went back over to was it. China that he went when you start making movies yeah. over there. Yeah. So he yeah. became Tiger more. And beat and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, he's in big trouble in Little China, but I think he's just a gang member in that. Yeah. So. Well, when uh, when this came out, I remember buying an issue of Black Belt that had a, a thing with him, an article on him in it. 
Yeah. Oh, wicked. He does well, a lot of I'd, stunt work in Hollywood nowadays. I know that. He still, I think he's doing that mostly now. I think. I don't know. Another guy that's aged well. And some strange reason in in Repo Man, he's doing an ADR voice. That's so. It's so strange that. And then on Pacific Rim, he did. He's part of the Loop Group. <laughs> he's. It's weird. The I guess he's doing ADR work now. That's that's strange. Anyway. Yeah, strange. That I don't know. You never know where people's careers are going to end up, right? Nope. And then, of course, there's Bob Shot in the film. Bob Shot is uh, plays Thorg. Uh, Bob Shot is also a very GGTMC. It's easy for me to say. <laughs> GGTMC esque character actor. Um, he was in Future Hunters. There's been a rather notorious uh, screenshot of him on the GGTMC group for a long some time. He has a hitman. Yeah, as a hitman, and uh, he's got a look. You know, he's. One of these guys, he's a big dude. He can move, uh, mm-hmm. as he proves in Jim yeah. here. He's got some pretty solid fight scenes. I'd forgotten, actually, how uh, active he is in this film. You know, usually these yeah, big yeah. guys, they tend to play just the big, strong, kind of lumbering, you know, get a hold of somebody and break them in half kind of characters. But he works some of his uh, martial arts in, and uh, he gets around quite a bit. Good scene yeah, with him and Conan Lee that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who's I, – I, uh, well, shot. yeah, he's like – for me, he's the American Bolo Young. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good. His, uh, I should say, his IMDb shots not very. I, shots shot is uh, more pilgrimy than anything. But <laughs> I, I would agree with him being, uh, yeah, like a, the American Bola Young. Silly. I don't think they they ever did a film together. No. Yeah, right. Well, they are in Shoot Fighter together. So that's oh, that's okay. awesome. Ooh, but, but, man. but but he only plays a bodyguard in that. So I don't know if. Uh, it's too bad. He does play Weird Willie in Blood Fist 3, so, you know. <laughs> nice. Somehow he ended up in the line of fire in the Clint Eastwood movie. I got to check. I got to go back and look at that. That's amazing. <laughs> he ended up in that. Anyway, uh, and I guess there's a few other people here and there, but I can't think of anybody. Tadashi Yamashita. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? American Ninja series. Yep. And ah, yes, I should yes. say for those those fans of the ape films, Buck Cartalian, Julius. Yeah, uh, well, he's in this, and he plays the fucking king. Buck Cartalian, who was who's been kind of a, a low budget exploitation kind of uh, cult icon for many for a long, long time. He was in uh, Please Don't Eat My Mother, which I think I can't remember if it was a softcore or a hardcore kind of sex uh, take on. Um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, and then he was also, for me at least, the biggest thing that he ever did, aside from this movie, was he was the uh, the Wolfman in the original Monster Squad uh, TV series. Yeah. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... Buck's I'm, got, a, Buck's got a, a special little place in my heart. I remember uh, him popping up in The Rock, the Nick Cage, uh, um, uh, Ed Harris, blah, 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 Sean Connery film, the Michael mm. Bay film. And I remember thinking, how did the guy from fucking Jim Cotta end up in the fucking Michael Bay movie? <laughs> he's got a weird, he's got like a, a really nice, like a friendly face. He, I would say this. Great character actor face, right? Yes. He, he does. He absolutely does. But like, as much as I like him in the film and the way he's kind of miscast is fun because of the kind of film it is. But like, he doesn't have a very regal face or regal presence. Yeah. Well, he's, no. he's, he's short for, to, for starters. Oh yeah. Uh he's got that yeah, he's got the comb over and then he just yeah. He's he's got uh yeah, and the way, the way that he acts, he, he's kind of like almost um like a a very naive, uh, almost petulant kind of kid. 
Yeah, he is for for the scenes when he's like actually not standing there in front of his uh, his his people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's but true. yeah, but I think Buck. I mean, for, from what you were saying, he does have that that face that's very kind of um, uh, innocent, but he at does the same have time, a friendly. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, he he you could see him, you know, turning that off and getting kind of sinister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also known as Buck Bucky. What a unfortunate stage name that is. That's wow. Some another name he used to go by. A wow. couple of film credits is Buck Bucky. But uh, Cartalian, 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 I guess Armenian. He's an Armo, yeah. yeah Armenian name. So, yeah, you just got a, you just got a character actor look. I mean, that's a thing. You got to live to be ninety three years old. He just died a couple years ago. So yes, uh-huh. the ripe age of ninety three. All right, um, yeah, he's in Cool Hand Luke. Was he really? Oh, he played Dynamite in Cool Hand Luke. I didn't even realize that. I don't remember that. I've only seen Luke a couple times. Huh. Interesting. All right, so that's the cast. We kind of went over that and stuff. Again, the film's directed by, I don't think I ever even said it, uh, Robert Klaus. Of course, Robert Klaus very infamously, or rather famously, I guess I should say, directed The Great Enter the Dragon, which, uh, again, is one of those films we've never talked about on the show, oddly. Yeah. Which is, well, and this is a heavy influence on this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. big time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. Except in Enter the just... Dragon, I can understand the games. <laughs> Yeah, the rules are a little clearer in that, right? Well, they're all in one spot. Yeah, yeah. This one I can understand the fucking game, so you know, whatever. But yeah, so you know, he he had a kind of a, I guess, Enter the Dragon, and then you know, he kind of went into. I think it was pretty much all action or kung fu films from that point for after that, right? And he kind of died semi young. I mean, he's sixty eight when he died. He didn't. He wasn't too old when he died. That's kind of young, yeah. Well, he, uh, you know, I gotta say, when you look at. his filmography, I think it's actually a little more robust than I would have thought it to be. I, you know, I thought he maybe did a handful of films, but you know, it's an interesting one he did. And I didn't know this until we were looking as he did darker than Amber. Um, Oh, the Rod Taylor. Uh, yeah. Which is a yeah. very cool film, which is a very cool film. Um, so end of the dragon. Then it was like, he went on that run. He did black belt Jones, golden needles. He did the ultimate warrior with Yul Brenner, yep. Amsterdam kill the pack game of death. A battle, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Big Brawl. Yeah, Battle Creek Brawl or Big Brawl. Yeah. Um, Force Five, which I really love. It's a lot of fun. China O'Brien, one and two, Ironheart. So he's got a. He did the better uh, Killer Rat movie too. The uh, yeah, Deadly Eyes. Pack, Deadly Eyes. Deadly Eyes. Oh, yeah. we've, did we cover that on the show? Or, or I don't remember if that was the one we covered, or if we covered the Italian, uh, one, which is the yeah, doc, no, you did the Docs. We did. dressed up as. Uh, I think yep. I think we did yeah. this with Roop. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. This is that, that is that is the one with Dachshunds dressed in red suits. <laughs> Deadly as is, yeah. And then I yeah, think so. I think Kotsi, didn't Luigi Kotsky do the other rat movie? I don't know, maybe. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, Bruno Mattei did the uh, Rats Night oh, of Terror. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, how that's did right. I forget that? I mean, come on. <laughs> my, my Italian film cred just went out the window. Um, <laughs> Yakmala, Sammy. Anyway, that's that's the case. Yeah, Yakmala. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, this film has a fucking bizarre opening, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get the the close of the ominous close up of the parallel bar, the, or not the parallel bars, but the uh, the single bar there. You see the hands on stuff, and it cuts to the game. Another thing about the game that's confusing, and we'll probably be, keep going back to this because I think all of three of us are confused about the game itself. Um, you know, you got all these people chasing these guys, right? And and everybody's always waiting for some for the you know the leader obviously Richard Norton most of the time to take the shot or 
do something. You know, I mean, if you're going to go after these guys, go after them, man. I mean, it feels like as little as a lead as you get in this film, uh, in this world, in this game, that people would just start shooting bow and arrow, you know, arrows at you right away. Um, but everybody's always kind of waiting, and and then and that, that's what it kind of goes back to the original idea of me leading on this was. So there's there's a scene where the Kurt Thomas and the other group they all show up for the game, and I guess to train them for the game they throw some criminals or some some poverty stricken guys into the game yeah. with some bad makeup. And, oh uh, man! They, <laughs> oh, real bad! Holy <laughs> shit! The facial hair on those three. <laughs> yeah. Looks like the same thing as like the dentist guy from Yes, Madam. I the, was gonna say oh, that. Oh god! <laughs> but the. The, the, I guess it's like a training montage for them almost, I guess, to show them where to go, right? And there's only like yeah. three or four locations in this game. Uh, the sense of geography for the game is really fucking bizarre, and we'll get into well, it as we go for you, They do show you the uh, the little mock-up of it, yeah. the little model. <laughs> I love the little miniature kind of... The little, little popsicle stick fucking model. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love that uh, model. <laughs> Me too. Um I love the little ropes tied across the little creeks and all that kind of good stuff. That's good uh, stuff. But anyway, so they so they they ride along and they watch this game. And I'm guessing, you know, to me, if you really want to throw people into the game, I mean, are you showing them that they have to follow this path, or what are you showing them? I mean, again, it's an, it's just another confusing layer to me of this quote unquote game. Um, anyway. So we, Kurt's obviously, Kurt Thomas's character, Jonathan, he's obviously a talented gymnast, so they're going to work him into uh, some government work. Uh, Naturally. They train him up pretty quick with uh, Yamashita and uh, some other guy, um, you know, which they, they managed to train him in like the most crowded like tree area. I, I have no idea why these, you know, if you're going to, you want some freedom of movement, I think I'd get out of the trees. And then the 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 princess, she's always kind of watching him and staring at him, and she won't talk, you know, because she's playing she's playing hard to get. She's playing following, Koyori. yeah. She's playing. She she likes Koyori. gymnast. <laughs> little Koyori action with the gymnast curtain. Eventually, you know, he breaks down and 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 you know makes his uh basically you know assaults her to get her attention, but she almost assaults him. To be honest with you, so she does. She does. Yeah. yeah so. There's some good moments there. Some nice back rubs. Things like that. <laughs> the old switchblade. Yeah, the good old switchblade. That's right. Uh, the very few films I would say mix elements like this one does because this one, you know, you got the action scenes, you got the, you know, the fur vest. I've never understood the fur vest. The uh, no, it's it's, it's like it cancels itself out. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad, right? I'm, like, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. You know. Oh God, but I'll tell you this: Richard Norton's. Uh, vest budget in this is pretty impressive. He has yeah. shearling vests. He has fur vests. He has all kinds of different vests. His, all of them are open. His dangling yeah. sword earring budget's pretty good too. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, this thing, it this is. thing, <laughs> this thing really is. It's a hodgepodge, like you were saying. Uh, oh, so, you know, it's, a... it's, martial, it's martial arts. It's tournament. It's super spy. Most dangerous game. It's a horror movie. Uh, you know, it's it, it's the same thing as uh, adventure as, film. Yeah, it's it's the Running Man. <clears throat> um, I mean, it, it's funny because I was when you when you get to to Parmistan, which uh, Parmistan. I mean, let, let's face it, I, I like mean, some Parmistan sounds, cheese. Exactly, yeah. you should be grating this over your spaghetti. Um, <laughs> the place itself is like a Ren Fair or a Kingdom from a, oh, a Jim Wynorski film. 
Dude, it, 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 I don't know why, but I think because I saw this in Crawl around the same time and both feature scenes of like the countryside. Yeah, yeah. But it, 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 this is like, it's shot in Yugoslavia. So you never know quite what they're going for as far as what that goes. I guess Parmesan, I guess they're really saying is like Cold War kind of Europe, right? Is that kind of what they're, or do they even really say that? I don't, I don't know that. Uh, all, all they say is that it's the great, it's a great place for like a missile defense, an early warning missile defense system. That's all they say. I don't know <laughs> why. They never tell you why. Uh, well, they, they don't, re- they don't really tell you why until the very end, right? Oh, it's as, it's as MacGuffin as MacGuffin gets, yeah. really. Yeah. Talking about the Star Wars program, right? The thing yeah. from the yeah. 80s, right? Yeah. My son goes, because we talk about copyrights, he goes, can they say that? Can they say Star Wars? I'm like, well, a little bit of a different Star Wars song. We'll talk about Reagan another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another conversation. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. to kind of get back to the film itself, if I'm not mistaken, at one point while Yamashita's training, was it him or was it maybe later on in the film? But for some strange reason, there's a fucking falcon like sitting there. Oh, yeah. That's an amazing shot. It's when he's training him. He's got the falcon on like uh, on his arm. Yeah, it's a huge fucking falcon, too, man. I think it's for no other maybe reason. It's, maybe it's an eagle. I don't know, but who? Maybe. Either way, it's like it's a glorious know, bird. Either way, I know my note is, of course, in true GGTMC fashion. My note is dead falcon. So you know, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love it when people have you know birds of prey as a you know an intimidating uh, uh, kind of pet. Fucking production <laughs> value, man. Yeah. yeah. So there's some great scenes there. Um, so. We, our character, he the one thing I do I've always appreciated about this film is it really kind of just throws you into it quick, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there is yeah. some lapse time in there in a couple spots, and I really don't care about the kind of love triangle between the princess Richard Norton and uh, Kurt. I mean, no. that, that dinner scene is bizarrely edited. There's a lot, of, oh, there's a whole man. lot of a whole lot of side eye going on. <laughs> There is. It totally is. In that scene, of course, until Thorg shows up and everybody's like, "Yeah, Thorg, all right." But Fucking beefcake. Yeah, but it, it's it's a weird moment, and of course, Richard Norton just for shits and giggles gets up and shows off a little bit just to show off his moves. Yeah. Well, he, he's getting his uh, his masculinity threatened yeah. there a little bit. Yeah, he, he was. He had to start spinning the size, man. Uh huh. And everybody cheers him. Everybody's very happy. Um, <laughs> out of nowhere, the princess gets a wedding dropped on her. Um, she because the oh, king yeah. the king comes down. And he's like, yeah, tomorrow we'll have a wedding. And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah. what? But uh, yeah, so there there's the, those moments, and like I said, a lot of the moments in the film feel like Hollywood dress up. Some great eighties henchmen in the film, though. I mean, you know, a lot of people you know dressed bizarrely, and <laughs> you know, I don't know what you had to do in the eighties to be a henchman in a film other than just find like the most fucked up thing in costuming to put on. And uh, you, oh, yeah. te- you tended to get a chance to be a henchman in a film, so um, it throw it like uh, oh, I'm trying to look through my notes here. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's my Norton's earring, his posturing moment. Yeah, both those moments go hand in hand. Um, so the, at one point during the game, the game starts, and these guys are taken off on horseback, and they're not really taken off because it's on kind of like cobblestone road, so horses are always kind of reticent to walk or run on a concrete or, or stone. For obvious reasons, because they can fall very easily. But if you watch, there's an extra that gets nailed by a horse. Do you guys? Did you guys see that extra get hit by the horse? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Man, and you could tell it wasn't playing because the people on horseback <laughs> are looking down like, "Oh fuck!" I don't yeah, know if it was Conan. Yeah, I don't know if it was Conan Lee or who it was, but somebody ran the fuck over this poor guy. 
I mean, he got <laughs> trucked, man. I'm sure he was fucking sore for days. Um, oh, man. But he got hurt bad. And you know, they're like, no, no, keep this in. It looks great. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. The harp. And the. Um, so That's the, for the row wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the there's like three or four set pieces in the game, right? So you got the, the puzzle, or not the puzzle, the mock-up of the uh, game all on the ground. Might as well be a puzzle because I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. But, <laughs> you know, they, they basically, they leave the courtyard, they go to some ropes, and then from them ropes, they go to another set of ropes across the river. And then from those, they go to a, a fighting area, climb up a hill, then they got to get through the City of the Dead or something, City of the something. Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned or whatever it is. Which is its own thing altogether. That's why I haven't talked about it yet. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and then pretty much after that, they've made it through the game. So, um, there's some great moments in between there, some fun stuff, even though nobody really typically makes it past the river kind of gully type thing. Uh, most times, that's where people find, kind of fall apart. And that's where I always get really confused. Like, you got people standing around, and then you got guys that kind of come out. And once you get almost across it, there's almost always a ninja type guy that comes across to either cut the rope or shoot you in the face or in the back. I don't even, I mean, I just don't understand the game at all. The only thing great about the gully is, of course, there's a couple great dummy falls. And the great thing about the, oh, dummy, man. The great thing about the dummy falls is the sound effect and the fact that they let you see the impact of the dummy. <laughs> the dummy falls are, are, as much as, you know, we can kind of laugh, they're pretty effective dummy falls. They are. They like, look like they look uh, really well done. They look almost like human. Once they hit the uh, the rocks, they almost look like, uh, well, almost like sadly, uh, for any of us that have actually seen a real human being hit the ground pretty hard, they <laughs> they look pretty realistic. I mean, the body As, pretty much goes into ragdoll form. I mean, just ugh. but the arms don't flail like an actual dummy. And yeah. you know, you talked about the sound, man. The foley work in this. I mean, it's juiced up to ten, like. <laughs> yeah punches everything's a home run hit exactly so and they you get some uh great moments there eventually the thor character will move over and he'll he'll be in the game and there's a great fight scene like you said between him and conan lee uh in kind of a muddy area outside of creek there's a guy watching with a flag and of course he he's so enthralled with the fight he kind of lowers his flag so you know it's going to get serious and it does uh because the game changes at that point that's the point where we hadn't seen it up until that point where contestants would start to turn against each other to win. Um, and that's why Thorg is evidently so effective and such a legendary player of this game, maybe. Um, because he's willing to take out the competition, literally. He listens to Lemmy. That's right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I just got that. And uh, <laughs> So he, he takes Conan Lee out. Uh, Kurt Thomas gives him... Uh, the look he looks back at him climbs up a hill and now we're pretty much i think you get into a fight with them and kim and kurt thomas again in a bunch of trees i don't understand why the the, the fight scenes have to be so busy with all these trees and everything but i guess klaus was just kind of going for something there um but we eventually get to the city so the city is something totally unique and on its own it's it's some mix between um horror elements and really bad comedy and uh weird weird effects i I don't, I don't even know what's i don't even know why they're in the film they they totally take they don't take me out of the film it's part of the reason why i enjoy the film is the city sequence because it's so fucking weird and it comes out of it kind of comes out of nowhere really um but you know you got people that i don't know are they cannibals what are they yeah 
Are they just well, older people who <laughs> are mistreated? Well, yeah, they're, they're all old. And for such a small country, they have a lot of insane people. <laughs> and they, they, man, they have a lot of old people and a lot of insane people. Like, there are hardly any young people in this fucking country. Yeah. Yeah, right? None. Yeah. I mean, even by like Leone standards, there's a lot of fucking. Let's just be frank here. A lot of ugly faces, man. <laughs> like they they go to that well of like, like the misshapen or the gnarled or the old or the toothless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like face, just countless times. There's not even. I mean, no, no wonder Richard Norton's running things. He's a fucking Greek god amongst like the most <laughs> hideous country. I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. This is the if we're gonna just talk in GTTMC terms, this is the most hideous country in the history of cinema. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. And you know, the dental plan's bad, the medical plan is bad. It's bad. The mental health like care you- system's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck is it ever, man. At one point a character chops his own hand off, I believe. Yes. Which is amazing. Which Kurt's appalled by. Jonathan Cabot's appalled by. <laughs> makes us makes a face like somebody just saw somebody take a shit or something. And, oh yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's really a bizarre sequence, and and there's a some kind of fight where Kurt's walking on pigs, and yes, you heard me right, where he he's walking on pigs. Yep. Um, that's bizarre. Um, oh, and it kind of gets back into the Bob Shot character. I don't want to talk too much about that, but in case it's a spoiler for anybody, but and then there's a there's a story element to the film. Um, cause basically Kurt's going over there to, you know, find out about his father who was in the game and there's a story element there that kind of uh, ties itself up and I won't get into too much of that as well, but it's just, it's just, it, the film, as many times as I've seen Jim Cotton, and I've seen it more than a handful of times. It's funny that even after watching it this time, even as a critical way, I really don't understand really hardly anything of what's going on. I really, I just know that people are showing up for games, uh, I forgot about the father element of the film until it pops up. Uh, mm-hmm. I forgot about some other things. Uh, I forgot about the CIA involvement until it pops. It seems like the CIA helps Kurt out whenever he needs help. <laughs> it's like they come out of nowhere. The uh, the the guy that's in the film. Um, it's just a it's a weird movie. I mean, it really is, and it and I think that's why it's become kind of a cult classic type deal. Is because it's such a bizarre movie, not just because of the gymnastics and the and the martial arts mixed together, but I think, and of course, it's got a great poster. You know, the the great poster of uh, Kurt, the kind of drawn or painted poster of him kicking the two ninjas. It's great. Uh, matter of fact, they even make sure to put a, a a ninja star. If you look at the poster closely, you can see a star kind of prominently in the poster. Um, it's it's interesting that the film has aged the way it has, and that even after all this time, I still don't really get it. But yeah. I still enjoy it because I think it's 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 only an hour and a half long. It's a very simple story. I always like most dangerous game types of stories anyway. I mean, even if the films are bad, I typically like those films because I, I think that's a great plot element. Um, we've seen it done so many times, but I've but I've even you know I can't think of one recently, but. You know, those type of films, Battle Royale type films, I mean, those kind of elements are just, they're easy to kind of get behind. Even if the filmmaking's not great sometimes, they're they're easy to kind of relate to, even though I've never been in that situation, nor would I ever want to be. But maybe it's just some kind of primitive part of me or something that kind of just gets into that storytelling element that just works for some for some reason. 
And this film kind of just ends abruptly, too, I got to say. It just kind of ends out of nowhere. It does. It's very bizarre. It's like, okay, we're getting to the end. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, they got to wrap this up. And then you turn around, and they wrapped it up. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> What'd you do? Oh, man. So it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre kind of creation. And it's kind of unique in its own way. Um, and almost in a way, in some ways, kind of a hard, more of a film to talk about than a film to review. Because it's... It's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't think any of the elements make any sense. And then they throw up these blurbs at the end, talking about the Star yeah. Wars program and fucking missile defense. And, and you're just like, what the fuck? You know? So it, it totally is a what the fuck type movie. But I mean, that, these are the kind of movies, though, that, you know, end up becoming cult classics because it's just like, what? You know, you look at them and you're just like, you know, all these years later, when we're talking, we're talking what, you know, 33 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, the film still is a you know a big what like what the fuck was that? <laughs> so you know I, I had a lot of fun though revisiting it. I got to say, and I think Kurt Thomas holds himself over pretty well in the film. I think he does. I think he does a, an excellent job. Yeah, I mean, I think he plays the naive yet kind of cocky character very well. He's not too cocky to be irritating, and he's Correct. just just naive enough that you're kind of behind his character, right? So because he has that baby face too, mm-hmm. right? So he. I think he does a, a pretty good job there. And uh, everybody else in the film, I mean, obviously Richard Norton's playing the character he typically plays. So he's fine. Uh, Conan Lee's fine. He's not really in a lot. Bob Schott's fine for what he's got to do. And and even uh, the Princess Rubali character, even though it's not really, you know, much of a performance as much as it's just kind of like a, a, to be there, just kind of a looker. Uh, it's fine. The acting's fine. It's just it's uh, it's in very bizarre elements that the film I find can be very confusing. And uh, again, it comes back to the game. I, I remember thinking the whole time I was like, man, I hope Will and Todd talk about how confusing this game is because oh my god, <laughs> even after all these years. And I remember like I was like, you know, five minutes into the game itself, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I remember what it is about this movie that always drove me crazy. I don't understand what the fucking game is. <laughs> yeah big time i don't understand i understand it's survival but that's all i understand <laughs> nothing else outside of that so i'll kick it over to one of you guys to kind of add to the uh the confusion ta <laughs> mm. did you want uh, ta tc did you want to go next or? T- tits and uh. ass hey tits and ass you want to go <laughs> tits and ass. that's your new nickname oh god i needed one um <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let me see here okay Your so parmerstan tits and ass <laughs> oh man no thanks <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a fuck either that, yeah. that or bad hygiene that chicken parm <laughs> oh man that, on the other parm yeah <laughs> fuck <laughs> great ass for days <laughs> sprinkle, uh, sprinkle. you just sprinkle a little bit of that on some popcorn you're good to go man <laughs> might, as well, might as well fucking grate some like moss on my popcorn yeah. <laughs> equivalent taste just Spanish little, moss Jesus that, that ass that, Yugos, that Yugoslavian decrepit ass <laughs> decrepit you, ass lint Dude, they really go with that well. Like, there is so much fucking haggard ass in this film. That might that might be that might be what's wrong with it might be what's wrong with people's teeth. Yeah, there might have been too much too much ass eating in Yugoslavia, man. Yeah, too much haggard ass to mouth, man. 
Parmesan is the Astamont capital of the world, man. Parmesan salad tossing. Maybe on second thought. <laughs> Yikes. Shit. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So, anyway. Uh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, the, VH cover, the VHS cover for this thing um, was really initially... Well, that and I'd seen the, uh, the trailer. So, when it came out on VHS... Um, I wanted to rent it. My, I would get into arguments with my brothers because they didn't think that it was a, a martial arts movie or anything like that, um, just from the name. But I would stand there and be like, he's kicking people. He's kicking fucking ninjas on the cover. How is this not uh, a martial arts thing? But you eventually, know, what's up? So I was going to say, you know what you should have said to them? This would be as good a time as any for me to say it. You should have said, come on, guys. It's got the thrill of gymnastics, but the kill of karate. <laughs> Had I thought of that. <laughs> if I was that uh, swift when I was younger. Um, but, uh, yeah, so eventually I had to wind up uh, renting it on my own. And then uh, renting it multiple times over the years. Um so it's got a pretty good opening theme, and actually, the the I, I like the score on this one. Uh, I think the score is pretty good. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. I didn't write it down, uh, but I know that I, if even if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking here. That's uh, what I was doing too. Uh, but Al- the Alfie Cabijo, Cabijo, Cabijo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is why I didn't you know. want to say it. And he's a horseless Cabijo. Glad but, you stepped on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it took a I, hit. I slipped right into uh, the Calbijo. <laughs> uh, so did everybody else in Parmesan. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but it's it's really it's weirdly dreamlike. Uh, the uh, cutting between Kurt and the game in the opening of the film, yeah. uh, and that carries through. I think not only to the kind of senselessness of the the plot and the game, but then once you get to the um, the village, it kind of at least for me, it kind of connects up a little bit more. Uh, and that's not to say that it, it connects up in any way that's not confusing, but it, it just connects up a little bit more, uh, you know, carrying through visually, uh, thematically. Um, let's see here. Kurt uh, Thomas, he was in the 1980 Olympics, but not in the 84 ones. Uh, and before that, I think he won gold in this one of the 70s uh, Olympics. So it was really, I found it kind of odd that, um, you know, this movie was made in 1985, but he hadn't been in the Olympics the year before, yeah. which I kind of, I, I assumed that he would have been, not not being the biggest Olympics fan in the entire world, I didn't really know. Um, I think so they, I, it, just a, it seems to me like they were probably just trying to make a star here, you know? Yeah, but I mean, why, why pick Kurt Thomas, who had been out of the spotlight yeah. for you know five years? Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 that it's is our that, choice. That's a weird thing for me, you know. That is weird. I would admit, and I would have bet that he had been in the Olympics the year prior. Was eighty four Los Angeles? Eighty four was uh, no, was it? <laughs> I no. think it. Of all the things I thought I'd be Googling on the show, <laughs> it wasn't the 80- uh, eighty four Olympics. Yeah. Let me just see. Well, we it was like it was L A. It was L A. So you'd think, okay, let's connect the dots. L.A., Olympics, Hollywood's in L- in California, Los Angeles. They got together, had a lunch, and here's Kurt Thomas. But, yeah, I guess that's weird that it was four years later or whatever. But yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those little things that just kind of I found kind of odd. Um, so, yeah, he enters the games for God and Country, right? Yeah. Uh, 
it's a uh, <coughs> his training montage is not all that impressive, really. I mean, like you were saying, there's a whole lot of trees and just people saying things that make no sense, and then he just kind of like clicks and gets it, and then he walks up the stairs on his hands, and that's like the culmination yeah. of uh, of his entire training uh, yeah. routine. And, they go, they go uh, to that well Tadashi, like three times or whatever, three or four times, yeah, and finally gets yeah, all yeah. the way up steps. And then Tadashi uh, shakes his uh, his his legs like he's <laughs> like he's hugging them. Uh, I got a kick out of that. Papa, uh, the curtain and Rabali. I didn't think that they exactly made sparks in the romance department. Um, personally, no. I mean, you, you get it, but I mean, it's not exactly you know. This ain't uh, Romeo and Juliet or anything like that. Uh, and I thought that they both, I found it really odd, man. Maybe it's just because I'm an old man now, but they both really look like kids. I mean, they look fucking young. In Who, Kurt scene. and Princess or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they look about 20. Dad, I didn't even think they looked that young or that no. old. I, I thought they were just, it's just one of those weird little things. Um, do, Kurt always seems to, well, before he hits the game, uh, Kurt always seems to be wearing some version of red, white, and blue. Yes, I thought um, I caught that as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then there, of course, and we didn't even mention this, which you know is kind of surprising. There are the uh, infamously well placed gymnastics equipment uh, oh, wherever you yeah. know Kurt needs it yeah. to defeat villains. Yeah, like the bar in the middle of the alley, and the of course pommel horse. Pommel horse, the infamous. That's the fucking the most infamous one. Uh, yeah, that's the one that stands out because he just <laughs> it, it turns into that thing where you know the, the villains don't uh, don't attack him in mass. They just kind of like take their turns walking up and getting kicked. Yep. So. One of those little scenes, but he does uh, his little routine on it. Um, yeah, the the plot is it's kind of global in nature, but the film feels like it exists in a vacuum. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like I mean, it goes back to that weird that weird sort of like dreamlike quality that it has. Uh, it's just really surreal, just kind of throw everything at the wall kind of thing. And of course, the the film is a it, you know it's a child of the Cold War eighties. You know, uh, non Americans outside of the princess are not to be trusted. So <laughs> uh, you got that going on. Um, see, I hit that. I hit that. I hit that. Of course, when we mentioned Richard Norton, the one thing we failed to mention is that he is still to this day number one in the uh, rat tailingest villain of the eighties. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's incredible, man. I mean, yeah. it is incredible. Oh man, that thing's fucking. <laughs> it's a rat tail. Um, the game, when they get to that, I know that you know. When whenever you have this kind of movie, you kind of think to yourself, "Well, I think I could make it through this." Oh, that looks pretty easy. Although this is, I wouldn't have made it past the rope climb uh, because that's it's first the first obstacle outside of the cornfield. But uh, yeah. at this <laughs> that cornfield obstacle, the maze, <laughs> yeah. that cornhole obstacle in Palmerston. <laughs> That's right, right. But but yeah, I, I, they get to the rope climb, and I'm just like, fuck this, because I was I was never a rope climber to begin with. Never could uh, quite get that one down. No, you're more of a rope grabber, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rope grabbing, how about? Uh, Kurt's nanny in the uh, yeah. in the palace, or whatever. Oh yeah. my god! Speaking of, speaking of toothless hags, yeah. Um, she, she, and she's got and she, that lady. Uh, you know, she's got the kind of she's got the 
the Sammo Hung kind of the Sammo Hung in the Yes Madam kind of makeup oh, going totally on. Does. You know, the, like the dark lines all around and the creases of her face, and then the toothlessness. It, and then that. A, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was bum rushing there. Go ahead. That uh, I was just going to say, and then that that lady actually makes an appearance later on in the village. Uh, if you look closely, yeah. she's one of the uh, the weird old ladies who kind of uh, gather around Kurt and kind of uh, molest him in the uh, at the end of the alley there. Which is a weird scene because I think all he does is like react to one of them, and they all are just like, ah! yeah, and then they just turn away. It's <laughs> it's so fucking. Bizarre. I love that. I love that whole village of the damn sequence. And my sons, well, well, they were watching. Braden watched it more with me. They both caught most of it with me, but. Uh, God bless my son, William. He hasn't seen as much sleaze as I had at his age because there's that scene. And, you know, he can only go with sort of the visual cues that he thinks he can sort of cobble together. And he goes, when they're all surrounding her, he, they, he goes, are those nuns flirting with him? Why are they flirting with him? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, man, it's, it's a Parmistan thing, son. <laughs> yeah. You won't understand. Straight Parmistan, bear bro. Yeah, Armistan stays apart. That was a, I love that. That's such a. That's almost like, it's like, taco music video meets Lucio Fulci, late cycle Lucio Fulci. <laughs> taco. <laughs> that's what it is. It's so nice. bizarre and yeah. unsettling somehow, but right. just stark right. and weirdly shot. Yeah, right, because that taco video, right? That putting on the Ritz video is always kind of yeah. bizarre, right? Fuck. <laughs> well, fashion fits. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look like Frank Inferter. Um <laughs> so I counted uh three dummy deaths yeah. and only one of them you don't see the landing on. Yeah. So I mean right right there that puts it up there. Um possibly in the running for most dummy deaths, uh maybe in a GGTMC movie. Maybe yeah, maybe uh, so far. I have a feeling we'll see more, but uh yeah, maybe so far <laughs> this might be the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you got to you really got to ask yourself at some point who's the bigger dick, Shot or Norton? Um, <laughs> I think they're Shot in some ways. I don't know. Shot is because he he yeah he's a player who goes against the other players, whereas Norton is just an asshole outright. He's and he wants. Kinda, you could almost pitch it from Norton's angle, though. Like, well, sure. hey, I do the fucking work. I'll do all the heavy lifting around here. I should be king. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You yeah, know. He, whereas fucking yeah. uh, Shot's just a cheating fucking asshole <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but dude he's got he's got his fucking sweatshirt games on point with the fucking silver cuffs kind of oh, thing man. going on what a horrible thing he wears like a he's rocking a the sweater vest yes the double sweatshirt shirt yes the, it's the double sweatshirt look double sweatshirt bunches up though. he's looking he's looking for the uh he's looking to drop weight before the big match that's what he <laughs> is man he's, he is looking i wonder to if he saran wrapped his torso before this thing yeah. oh fuck <laughs> he's on a vision quest bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god uh, and then uh, finally uh, Princess Rabali puts on the cat suit towards the end there oh yeah she rips off the dress and puts on the cat suit and here I gotta I gotta go kind of piggy and uh, and say <laughs> that uh, she did not have much ass to speak of she was kind of flat in the uh, in the back department I thought yeah yeah, yeah. I'm just making true. just pointing that one out no, uh, though true. still, though still, she's a very, very attractive woman. Yes, striking. I would say. Yeah, I would say. Yes. I say the word is striking. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. 
I don't know if she, I, I couldn't really make up my mind if I thought she was attractive or she was just so, I, I don't exotic. know, exotic looking, yes, that yeah. she, and obviously she looked completely different than anybody else in this film. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that really, yeah. you know, goes a long way, obviously. She does not look like she should be the princess of Parmistan. No, she does not. Not at all, man. <laughs> Um, yeah. So yeah, she's a flat asser, like a flat earther, but not. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't know uh, I didn't know that was pretty, a thing. Nice flat oh, asser. It is now. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's all the notes that I got. Well, nice. So this is a huge one from my childhood. Let's just say that I think it's huge for all of us. Um, again, 10 years ago when we started this show, I mean, this, this seemed like it was destined for like first five or six weeks to be covered. Yeah. Like Sammy said, we talked about this one so much. I mean, this is really like if you were going to throw ten titles, when we, like that, were so GGTMC that just were just everything that we wanted to talk about. This would have been one of them. And uh, here we are, ten years later, finally talking about it. Right? So that's crazy. It's funny as we talk about man, some of the roads that we travel, um, some of the roads we don't travel. Yep. So very interesting. Well, we got lost. Um, we got lost in Parmistan, man. We got lost in Parmistan, man. That's true. I left my heart in Parmistan. Left my heart. Left my. Uh, <laughs> but I hang my hat in Tennessee. Yeah, I hang my. Uh, all my date. exes live in Parmistan. Yeah. All my exes live in Parmistan. Man, none of my fucking exes live. In <laughs> Good lord. Um, I left my dangling sword ear cuffed in Parmistan. Def- yeah, you could say you left your prolapse. You brought your prolapse thanus from Parmistan. Cool. Right? Um, they're into the anal games, man. Fur vest, Pro. fur vest. Nort, but Norton's uh, vest game is strong. He wears, like I said, shearling. He wears furs. He wears all sorts of different uh, ones. The other thing that this kind of touches on is kind of like that. You know, there was that early to mid '80s fantasy cycle of films, yeah. right? Like the crawls and the Conans and all the Italian stuff. So I feel like it's kind of shoehorning some of that stuff in there too. With the Absolutely. horseback and the Ren Fair shit and yep. you know all that. Um, nice to see Amashita show up. He's always a, I always think of him as the the villain in American Ninja and also Ninja Three: The Domination, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of you guys didn't really care for. I kind of like that training sequence. It's a bit kind of low rent, but I'll tell you what I liked about it. Um, getting to see Yamashita kind of talk. He's pretty good. The black dude was good, if very very small role. Um, that. That uh, walking on your hands up the staircase thing that Thomas does is no joke, man. No, 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 no. That I would mean, be that incredible. Oh, difficult. I don't doubt that it's hard. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, that's tough. I think, the, I think the problem I have with the training sequence is it just isn't as in detail as I would like it to be. It just seems like it's yeah. very rushed and like they threw it, it together rushed. really quickly. And well, he had to get to Parmistan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as one, as one has to do, you have to get to Parmistan. Yeah. Get your ass to Parmistan. Get your ass to Parmistan. <laughs> um, I do like how one of the elements I like about this film is how they kind of say, like, there's no guns. It's all just kind of hand-to-hand and weapons and bladed weapons. And he's got to survive edged weapons in Parmistan. That's right. <laughs> um, I like that. Now, let me ask you guys. We briefly touched on the bizarre scene. Has there ever be, been a bizarre scene in an adventure film without incident? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> never, man, yeah. never. Yeah, in in action and no, adventure films, gonna go rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In action and adventure films, going shopping is one of the most deadly things you can do. It is. <laughs> it really, really is, man. 
Um, you guys mentioned this. It does feel like a Cold War spy film at part and sort of canon, like a very canon uh-huh. 80s action Cold War spy film. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So uh, I, it's interesting you bring that up because I was thinking to myself as I was watching this. I was like, if Canon would have made this film, I feel like it would have been more interesting. I feel like the film's kind of lost in a lot of ways. You know, uh, it's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's confusing and stuff. Like I feel like Canon would have, you know, a little, bit, a little it. more streamlined. Yeah. Well, like um, Elton John and Kiki D, don't go breaking my heart with some Zom two on this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, um, what about, uh, what about, I love too, that we get with Parmistan, we get like all these, this hodgepodge of accents. Yes. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say with Parmistan, you get garlic knots, but you do get garlic (laughs) balloon knots. Ooh, prolapse knots. Oh, 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 yeah. Here's here's a pro tip, though. (laughs) If if you're going to be, yeah, we'll bring baby wipes if you ever travel to Parmesan. But no, if if someone's going to come at you, I mean, if you're going to come at someone with an edged weapon, Maybe don't swing it directly at the fire extinguisher they have in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the plastic fire extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is a, that is a pro tip, I have to say. That's, that guy's getting sprayed, man. Yeah, that was one of my favorite henchmen, man, because he had like the fucking the cum eye. Did have cum, he did have like cum <laughs> fake skin used to get in like a little small circular thing. Yeah. They put a wad of it in his eye. Yeah, he had the bad uh, that's my new my new phrase for that is cum eye. Right. You know what's great? Even though the guns aren't in this film a lot, like I think they do a pretty good job. Like the gun stuff, like it's like a bunch of forties gangsters and just dude, they're like they're shoot like they're throw shooting, like we talk about sounds like they're, they're shaking really good with the guns and the blank budget in that scene's pretty good. Like there's a lot of bullets being sprayed. There's some nice squibs too. There is. No, honestly, I think that yeah. sequence they get a little bit of everything. They get some foot chase, you get um, all the intrigue and all the the gun stuff, they, they do a pretty good job, man, moving that stuff around. And then you get like a sequence in the Whitewater Rapids with the princess and yeah. Kurt Thomas, which is pretty good. I would never fucking do that, but that's just me. Um, then yeah, we then we're in Parmistan. No, I think then we're in Parmistan with that, that toothless nurse. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> heavy pet man. Yeah, Kurt's, uh, <laughs> Kurt's always finding a way to get a massage in this film, man. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is. You know, another thing too. Is when they talk about how like oh other countries have been training their athletes for years, some of the dudes that show up for this they look like the opposite of athletes. Yeah, they look about like fifty and like they just left the bar. Yeah, they would. They don't even play fucking squash, and squash is no joke. But like these dudes don't do anything. They watch. I mean, their sports or athletic career can or their sort of athletic consist of like. Horseshoes on Sundays or something. Fucking <laughs> bocce. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, nice. No young people we talked about. Uh, the rule, I put rules confusing, question marks, which we talked about. <laughs> oh, we get this nice little, one of the great things about Parmistan is they take net confoundment and turn it into like a, a polo-esque game between two combatants where... They have these big circular fan nets where they have to try to hit each other with. Did you guys see those two dudes doing that? Yeah. <laughs> and then they have that great little uh, game where you have to kick symbols. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing. 
Again, and you know none, what, none of it's explained. It's like, what is nah, going on? None of it. It's, it's just a bunch of visual flair. I'll tell you what else they love in Parmesan. They fucking love the bullhorn to announce the opening of an event. They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go to that bullhorn shot about four or five times, man. Um, the princess's mother has strong genes. <laughs> Are you talking about blue, <laughs> blue jeans? No, man. Like, <laughs> she looks nothing like Bucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck. Um, Bucky came to fucky, man. That's yeah. for sure. He's playing out of his leagues with her mom. Um, oh, you know what else I like? You, I don't know if you guys touched on it. Is I love the cornfield stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We they like it, man. Ty brought that up a little bit. The the, uh, the first obstacles tends to be the is the cornfield right right before the rope. Yeah, that's right. But it's good. I mean, it's shot pretty well. It's effective and. Cornfields are always good for kind of tense moments. We tend to see them more in horror films. They had foot chase, I guess, but mm-hmm. um, what's this? Oh, there's some great screams in this, too, when people fall off, like, cliffs and ropes and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> there's some really great screams, which is great. Um, one of the unfortunate things about Kurt Thomas is his outfit through most of the film is really baggy khakis and a mock neck black sweater. Yeah, it's a strange <laughs> so, choice, you know? But I think it was really cold when they shot it in Yugoslavia because there's a few scenes where you see people's breath. And there's one scene where some poor some poor extras like behind bars in like a cobblestone wall and you just see him chattering and his mouth quivering. Yeah. Like that dude was so cold. What's, um, it, what's interesting is, you know, as cold as it is, uh, you know, Norton, I guess it's part of his requirement to always be shirtless, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well those pellets yeah, i guess that's where the pellet comes in man it yeah keeps the chest that the, the the trunk warm keeps he's also trunk. more more tan than anybody in the movie easily he's got a good tan <laughs> he's got a good tan. hey i'll tell you what thorg's got to realize that life comes at you fast in parmistan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man he got it he got it good uh fulci fog we talked about um, we talked about that bizarre <laughs> hand chopping off that that dude does to himself. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, how about oh oh how about the 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 guy with the the robe on standing at the oh, door and such a GGTMC moment. Like <laughs> my kids' faces, like their brains melted when that scene happened. Yeah, he turns around his bare ass. I think of that. <laughs> yeah. I think of haggard ass, right? That's the Parmesan ass. Yeah, that, that is the total Parmesan ass. <laughs> yeah, he needs to hit the squat rack, man. <laughs> like, come on, man. There's no ass double for him. Yeah, but the the, oh. the, the, the curd face with the arm cut off. I mean, the more I think about it, man, it's 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 that it's the face you know your buddy makes when you show him porn that grosses him out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a polite repulsion. Yeah, it's the prolapsed asshole gif, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> Todd, Todd knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, big time, man. That's a knowing laugh. That, 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 TP, that, that TPA. Oh, oh man. Oof. How about uh, that head reveal? Like, oh. you know, they they were so proud of that, like, fake head on the back of the head moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That yeah. feels like something out of, like, uh, Rockwell's Somebody's Watching Me video or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it so ridiculous. That guy was so proud of that, man. Yeah. I think it's featured. Robert, Robert Klaus is like, I'm going to fucking out Lynch Lynch, bitch. Lynch. Yeah, man. Big time. Big time. Um, Big that village time. sequence is surprisingly bloody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Um, it's, it's, it really it's, is. It's weird. a weird sequence, man. It, it, it doesn't it's belong in this movie it. at all. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange, but I love it. I just love it. Well, I love it too. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it's... <laughs> um, another thing my son's realized, okay, the Palma horse in Parmesan we saw, um, my Braden goes, because he sees the villagers when they're all crowding around the Palma horse and he goes, why are they so stupid? He goes, why don't they just go all out at them at once? It's like, son, welcome to the wonderful world of uh, martial arts cinema. Yes. How about that slow-mo gypsy chase with like the 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 like the, like the shaft or whatever when he's trying to climb up the shaft? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes to slow-mo. And then not only does it go to slow-mo, it, it hangs in slow-mo like way too long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, that's just me. I remember, I remember thinking, okay, it's in slow-mo. And then I'm like, it's still in slow-mo. <laughs> Okay, it's still in slow mo. <laughs> Man, that thing is slow mo for so long. Yeah, so long. Um, again, you mentioned it, Sammy. I really got to give it up to Kurt Thomas because I hadn't seen this since I was a kid. I was worried this like wasn't going to hold up all that well, but for me, it hit exactly what I wanted it to be. Again, yeah. Um, Kurt Thomas was really well trained. Man, like even his martial arts stuff looks respectable. It does. You know, does. respectable. Um. How quickly does uh, Kurt Thomas breeze that one character on horseback when he sees the princess? That injured yeah. person on horse when he sees the princess. It's like, oh, you got a spear through your back? Late. <laughs> <Yeah>. Princess. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, All right, I got, I got no more notes on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. The <laughs> Parmesan ass. Parmesan? Parmesan ass. Parmesan. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, okay, we'll get an MVTs, make or breaks. My MVT for this film, uh, ooh, man, it's a little. Believe it or not, it's a little tough. I, I, I kind of want to go with, in a way, part of me wants to go with Thorg because I don't think I'll get on if I'll ever give it to Bob Shot again. Uh, you know, using that that Sammy logic, but I really did enjoy Kurt Thomas in the movie, and uh, so you know, I don't think I'll ever give it to him again either. So you know, you kind of get a weigh what you got away here and i think i'm gonna give it to thomas i think he's serviceable as a an action lead in this film uh i don't know if he would have had a career going further than this but i think it works for what it is it is an oddity in cinema history there's no doubt in my mind it's one of the the kind of strange things that exist and and one of the things i love genre movies for is that stuff like this kind of comes out of it right it's like you know, a couple guys hey man we can get kurt thomas you know robert klaus is like fuck i haven't had a hit since you know whatever you know oh I mean, yeah <laughs> i mean i don't know if that's the case but it just it feels like you know some money guy says hey i can get kurt thomas for this amount of money can we do something and uh, it just feels like that and i'm not saying that's exactly what it was i'm just saying it feels like it and i, I like that kind of exploitation element to the to totally. the film um my make or break. I'm going to go with the city of the damned, I guess. The city of the ass. I don't know what it is. Uh, the city of the other head. I don't, know, I don't know what you call it. You call it anything you want to call it, really, I guess. But I, I really, yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was, it's fun. It's so, uh, it is the, that is the bizarre scene, right? I mean, that is, you know, we, we, we talked about the bizarre, but that is the bizarre, 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 bizarre. Uh, in the bazaar, yeah, the bazaar of the bazaar, <laughs> um, no doubt in my mind. Because that film, that that element of the film, if you come into this movie uh, during that moment, you think, you know, hey, you know, my buddy's watching a horror film, or my dad's watching a horror film, or somebody's watching a horror film. But 
if you, if you didn't know any better, right? Because it that's what it feels like. It feels like a horror film at that point. It doesn't feel like a uh, action movie at all. It feels like some kind of bizarre kind of fever dream of yep. uh, of a horror film, and uh, not a well made one. But at the same time, something you wouldn't be surprised by seeing if you are a horror movie fan. You'd be like, oh, okay, well this is you know stuff that I've seen before in other horror films. But I enjoyed that se- sequence quite a bit. Uh, score for the film. Again, I'll fully admit, I don't think the movie is a great movie in uh, in, the, in the, those normal terms, but entertaining, I believe it very much is. And so I give it a 7 out of 10. Nice. All right. Uh, MVT for me, I'm going to give it to Klaus. Um, yeah, it's uh, he really does a, 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 a decent enough job of making something that's so bizarre – in all the, <clears throat> the all the different uh, elements that he brings into the movie, uh, and it still manages to be you know massively entertaining, uh, despite you know it not looking like it should work. I mean, maybe it works for all the wrong reasons, but at the same time, <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, it, it, I I still think that he he pulls it <laughs> off well enough. Uh, and uh, Make a Break is uh, is absolutely going to be Village of the Damned. Uh, I mean, that's just. It's the standout of the entire movie, and it's the longest sequence of the uh, of the game uh, that we get uh, throughout the whole thing. Everything else is just kind of, I mean, just kind of like a physical challenge, and then you get the village of the dam, which adds in all this other surreal kind of nightmare, nightmare fuel kind of stuff. Um, and score for me is. Uh, I'm gonna go. Yeah, it's, it's a seven out of five. Uh, you know the movie's Ooh, an honor. That's an amazing score. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's uh, it's uh, I don't seven out of Todd. You said seven out of five. <laughs> <laughs> what did I? Say? Did I? Oh, seven out of ten. Yeah, there you go. That's amazing. That's a fourteen, man. I know. You right? give it a fourteen. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to give it. <laughs> okay. uh, wow, nice. yeah, it's early. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the movie. The movie's an oddity, uh, trying to pose as a standard action film. It's a bit saggy in the middle, uh, but it, it. I think it holds up for what it is. So yes, I'm standing by my seven out of five. <laughs> it's little in the middle, but it's got much back. It's got much back. It does. <laughs> she. All right. I guess more than uh, more than that one villager in uh, Parma Stand. <laughs> <laughs> Well played, man. I want to pick up my whole house like an asshole. <laughs> she is. That, that should be that folks, like horror, horror, yeah, like uh, where right there, man. That's H H W, man. Yeah, around at the same time. Yeah, get out in the front. Oh man, okay, I got it. I didn't think I was going to go off the tracks this late in the review, but between <laughs> fucking Todd's. <laughs> Good lord. All right, here we go. (laughs) Reel it in, reel it in. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay, as a matter of fact, gentlemen, (laughs) I would say is that my make or break scene is that there's the um 
the bare ass of which you speak. Yes. <laughs> Just, damned. Um, <laughs> and my, uh, <laughs> she, my VT. This is so hard. This is so hard. <laughs> right. My VT is the hodgepodge nature of the film. Um, it shouldn't work. And maybe, like you said, Todd, it works in spite of itself. Or maybe it was all part of Klaus's grand design. It somehow works. And Yugoslavia meets Middle East, meets Asia, uh, you know, meets Renfair. I mean, it all just kind of works for me. And I got to say, I had so much fun with this on a revisit. I haven't seen it, God, like I said, since I was a kid. It's an 8 out of 10 for me, man. I love it. I think this is like a notch below Pantheon. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say it, man. I mean, it's exactly what we, for me at least, what like I wanted it to be when we talked about it. Right. It just felt right. bizarre and perfect. And, you know, like the fight stuff's solid. It's not shitty. And there's there's bizarre horror and just weird things happening. And I don't know. It's uh, It hits the notes, man. It hits the, hits the sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, it works, right? I mean, it's it's... It's a weird thing. It shouldn't work, and it all works. I don't. I don't know how Klaus pulled that off. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> I mean, you imagine walking a set that day in that robe, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the day when Fuck. you hope you wiped your ass good. <laughs> that's a baby wipe day, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, everybody. So that's the big show. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, our reviews this week, obviously. Um, I don't really have much more to add. We don't know what we're going to be doing next week at this point, as we typically don't. We used to have this shit planned down to a T, but uh, life likes to kick us in the Joey Johnson balls nowadays, so <laughs> yeah, we really don't have anything planned down to shit now. <laughs> we're usually messaging each other the day before saying, are we good to go? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, um, but that's all I got. Uh, again, we'll be back next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, with uh, more film love. Until then, I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.